Welcome to our Ted Lasso Talk, the Tedcast. Welcome, all Greyhound fans. Welcome, all you sinners from the dog track and all the AFC Richmond fans around the world. It's the Lasso way around these parts with Coach Coach and Boss. Without further ado, Coach Castleton. Okay, welcome back, beautiful people. Hello to all our buttercups and all our listeners around the world. Uh, Today we are exploring Wayne. Episode two, No Priests. This is part two of our continuing deep dive into Wayne. Um, I am your host, Coach Castleton. With me, as always, is Coach Bishop. Biting noses and taking names. I love it. I love it. And, uh, and of course, uh, with Coach and I uh, is our boss, Emily Chambers. Your boss, Emily Chambers, fresh off of Wine Fest. I ended up not going to Riot Fest because... By the time I tried to get one of the tickets, they were like, oh, do you just want a three-day pass for $300? I'm like, I don't. I want to go to one show for one hour and listen to one band play one album. And I would like to pay $80 for that. I do not want to pay $335 for that. Thank you. Seems reasonable on your part. I thought so. I'm trying to factor in like the Venn diagram of what percentage of someone's uh, like disposable income slash free time goes like if you're if like how, what percentage of that goes to something with with the with the suffix fest on it at the end as opposed to because i was like trying to think once you have kids you're like mm-hmm. i won't be festing for a while like i, I there'll mm-hmm, be mm-hmm. there'll be no festing um right yeah. coach do you do any any uh yeah that's a yeah that's a good point the the the, the time um allotment that I think generally would go along with any sort of fest is, a, is a lot to ask once you're juggling all those things. Yeah. That's mm. a good point. See, I think you're forgetting where I live exactly, which is uh, a bougier neighborhood on the North side of Chicago. I've mentioned that I'm right on the cusp of, I live in a very reasonably priced apartment compared with the bougier houses down the street from me. But that does mean our little neighborhood community center type thing has Mayfest, Oktoberfest, Applefest. There is Summerfest up in Milwaukee that sometimes you go to. That is uh, where I saw Huey Lewis and the News when I was three as my first concert. So, like, there's a lot of festing that happens in this particular very white neighborhood. Mayfest, for some reason, happens in... April and Oktoberfest happens in September. So you got to You can't sleep on it. You got to stay up and make sure that you get that, but you can. Oh, also there are three different farmer's markets in my neighborhood each week. Three fucking three. Each, I don't know how I ended up here. Each week, Tuesday morning, Thursday afternoon, Saturday morning, every fucking every week from May through October. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I really okay. like farmers markets. I like, okay. So I lived in Athens for a year and there was a, the farmers would bring their, the farmers market was just like a, I don't know how to describe it. It wasn't like your quaint sort of American, like, uh, like sort of, you talk about the word bougie, upper middle class, mm. sort of organic. So what it would be was uh, I had this apartment in Athens and then I would think, I'm hungry. And rather than have to go to a supermarket or look in my fridge, I'd literally walk down down to the bottom of my building and maybe not even half a block away 
and there's just farmers who just who just picked everything that morning and they're real far, they're it's like that's what a farm you know what i mean it's not like oh i'm gonna make this um you, you know whole oat uncracked wheat thing this loaf of bread and sell it to you for 49.99 you know what i mean like so so like I, i'm i don't I, it sounds like i'm impugning fa- farmers markets because, but that, but the thing is i love them i truly love them but mm-hmm. then when i go to them i'm like I'm always like, maybe just by virtue of being a parent and knowing how far your money has to go. I'm like, oh man, like, boy, that's a lot for that little slab of cheese. <laughs> like, I'm sure it's delicious, but like right. $27.50. Well, well, I could yeah, eat that in a bite, is, you know? We, we, part of it, I think, then too becomes this is how we end up with, well, people should be eating better. It's like, it's not all it's that economical expensive. to eat. Great, like, like you oh, know this is proven. Organic. Oh, oh no, this is yeah, like fully it's, proven. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. The lower income you are, the worse you eat. Like that's why fast food is the cheapest, and all, yeah, all this oh, stuff. Yeah. It's like it, it keeps you full for hours and hours and hours. So it's actually like not a quote unquote bad decision in the moment. Just you know, you're, you're going to die younger, which seems fucked up. Um, but yeah, but also less expensive. But seriously, yeah, yeah. Living living shorter doesn't cost you as much. Oh, that's funny. I thought you were still talking about the food. I nope. I, that is so dark. Like it wasn't even really a joke. Really. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, if we I did I uh, ran the numbers. An extra fifteen years of life is just uh, it's just not in the cards for us. So we're gonna have to. I mean, oh like God. this is why I. Plan my retirement only to age eighty because that's when that's when I'm that's when you're going out, out with the cheese yeah, croissants. Yeah. That's when yeah. I'm cashing out. Mm-hmm. I like. It. I only need to survive until eighty. I kind of mm-hmm. love it. I kind of love it. Okay. On that fatalistic note, we're going to jump right in. We have a lot to cover today. <laughs> um, here, uh, we, we left uh, Wayne last time. Uh, Dell, uh, we, we did a lot of setup last time for very very little. Uh, screen time. So we're going to blast uh, at a much more rapid pace today. I say that, and then I'm sure we'll get through eight minutes. But um, what when we left off, uh, De- Dell was having a, a, an emergency in the bathroom. She asked Wayne, we got her tampons. You know what those are? Yeah, I know what they are. But and she's like, go, go. Uh, what's the exact line we both loved, boss? Uh, go across the store. Go, go across the, the store. store and buy me some. And um, these are my pants and they look like a fucking Saw movie. Oh, for shit's sake, Wayne, just go. Okay. So uh, we cut to Wayne, who is, we got some rock music playing. Um, he goes into the first store, goes, he goes across the store. And uh, who is, who is there at the tampon section, boss? At the first store, two women, girls, younger ish, uh, both looking at feminine products. Or uh, I should actually probably say menstrual products is the more accurate term at this point. Uh, and so he has to immediately leave. Just turns around and goes. And what is that, Coach? What What is the thing where boys slash men feel uncomfortable buying products that are meant for women's periods? Well, uh, yeah, I think generally speaking, it's like don't know and don't want to know seems to be the at least assumed or, or prevailing uh attitude so certainly 
um, needing to to be in front of people and engage and buy is is a lot. Is a lot for Wayne and maybe for a lot of guys out there in the world. I like the. Uh, we always talk about how um, when you start a relationship, it's all you know, wine and roses, and everyone's really excited. And then when you end a, a relationship, it tends to be acrimony and hostility and frustration and regret and anger. Um, and, and we often talk about how, boy, wouldn't it be nice to uncouple properly and consciously and sort of really like think about what you're doing and, and, and make it less uh, acrimonious. Um, there's a beat in this right before, uh, right when, when Dell asks Wayne to go grab some tampons, he, he, he turns around and he gets this really pained expression on his face. Like he's gonna like protest or be like, ah, I don't. And she's like, just shit say, just go, right? And it's like, part part of it is the beauty of like, oh, I didn't know that when I stormed up into her <laughs> into her room and zenithed her brothers, that like part of the deal was now I'm the first line of defense in the in the tampon uh, emergency department, right? And, and people just don't think about all of the things that go into you know, the, the complicated dynamics that make up a relationship. So Wayne walks in, he peeks right away. There's some girls at the feminine, literally labeled feminine products. He turns around and, and he, and he busts a move. And then we go to the next place. He's, he's looking at them. And then there's the, there's this, <laughs> I, I love this, uh, the, where this actor is like this ghoulish sort of goth chick, um, super f- cool, like full uh eye fully like blacked out eye eye makeup um and Wayne turns away from the from the tampons and the pads um and just grabs whatever's behind him and what hap- what what happens to be behind him is the family planning department and he just he doesn't go for the trojans and the durex condoms uh what does he pick up coach he picks up lube yeah picks up lube big bottle of lube uh, like, like the kind with the dispenser top so that you like the, the squirt top. So easy, <laughs> easy lube access. And the, and the, the, <laughs> the goth, uh, sort of, uh, teller, she, uh, what does she say to him, boss, as, as she sees him, uh, sort of perusing the lube section. But that's her favorite kind. It's her favorite kind of, yeah. Lube. And there's something about this that I love so much that he was embarrassed by, needing to be looking at the menstrual products. So immediately turns around to look at the sex products instead, because those are either less embarrassing. He probably didn't even realize, but he's like, I can't look at this. So I have to look at this. The sex products presumably would be less embarrassing. She doesn't seem to be embarrassed at all. She's like, Oh yeah, that's my favorite lube. Uh, It reminded me a lot of uh, one of my five closest friends, uh, one of them for a period of time, she and her husband had a bottle of lube in the bathroom, the guest bathroom, bathroom at their place. And anytime that anybody would go in there, she would say, oh, just in case the bottle of lube is because their dog had some sort of like weird intestinal thing that dogs get. And so they had to give him a suppository. So they had to put a finger in his butt. And the lube was in order to help that. So she was like, don't worry. It's nothing weird. It's just that my husband and I have at different times needed to stick our hands up our dog's butt. So that's, this is, 
this is less embarrassing yeah. than my husband and I yeah. have sex and sometimes use this. It, it, and I actually pointed that out to her one of the last times we hung out, like everybody was laughing about it, but I was like that in American society, that's way more normal. Like, Oh no, no, no. Don't think it's weird. I'm not having sex with the person I'm married to. I'm just sticking a finger in my dog's butt. That's it. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm sort of glad you, like, you, you took us. Coach is like, uh, yes, and so this like, is oh, a real, this is a real uh-huh, tough uh-huh. yes and for Coach right here. <laughs> no, 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 because no, I'm like, oh yeah, but because the whole time as I was thinking about this sequence, I was like, we really do, and I bet there's some of this that is actually tied to us first uh, keeping ourselves alive and somewhat uh, healthy in terms of our relationship to bodily functions and not wanting to be like just j- the aversion part around that. Sometimes I think it goes to an unhealthy place, but I get it, but it is weird. The, the, like even the, the, there were those commercials that came out with women who were like, and I poop or I blah, blah, blah. And I, and you think like literally there is no human being for whom this is not on some level true. How is it that it's become such a like, never discuss it, never acknowledge it. Yeah. It's taboo. Um, taboo. Baby. Part of life. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, the lube is something I can understand it because if you, if you're not well-versed in, in the world of lube, like I am, um, if you're not like literally just a, <laughs> a total lube connoisseur, <laughs> The weirdest flex ever. I, I've, I have actually, I don't think I've ever, ever bought lube, but um, but I um, I know that like friends of mine are be like, oh, they're bar- they'll talk about uh, women who are uh, postmenopausal. They'll be like, oh, it sucks to, you know, because you're like admitting defeat, like, oh shit, my body's mm-hmm. let me. Down. I'm like, and I'm, you know, and then and then they they're the ones that say, you know, we obviously were like, what the, f-? you know, it's it, it's so frustrating, but it's the society we live in where it's like clearly that's not defeat, clearly that's literal biology and and so then you're making the best or for for a younger person it could be like oh i'm i'm gonna give i'm gonna give uh, you know anal beads a whirl or something you know like whatever and 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 so there's there are there because of the judeo-christian ethic that sort of permeates many of the uh, uh the sort of corners of our society you you get some people feeling like they're being naughty when uh they are not decidedly <laughs> they can do whatever the fuck they want with their bodies and they can buy whatever the hell they want especially in a like in a hyper post-capitalist nightmare society at least we should have the right to buy whatever the hell we want that isn't harming anybody else um so uh i'm, I'm careful to put that stipulation on there because i don't want to hear from the people like i love my ar-15 um Anyway, uh, I just thought it was cute. Uh, Wayne is very shy. He's such a boy. I also love, mm-hmm. I want to point out, um, I think there's something I'm missing. And I'm going to do a little deep dive on, onto this. So something I really love is the um, sort of zombie-esque uh, cashier. And this, I feel like this this is is ubiquitous across cinema and tv i keep seeing versions of this like this girl when she says um i like the lube did you, did you catch her like monotone delivery boss and that really bleached out like washed out color like the lighting in this is super washed out um it reminded me there's a cashier in hot fuzz who can i help you sir like it's just like this totally like 
I'm like, what is that? There must be an origin story for this that I'm that I'm missing out on. But I want to look back into if the Buttercups know or our listeners know, please hit us up with answers. But I, I keep seeing it in different places, and I I kind of love it because it sort of is a commentary on the drudgery of like this type of of vocation. Um, but I thought this this was a was an interesting little little beat here. It feels sort of like uh, New Millennium Daria. The MTV yes, cartoons, Dana, yeah, Daria yeah, yeah. and Jane, very monotone, very, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we don't really care about things, but we care about some things extremely deeply. I can and see And that. also like just goth and emo seemed, uh, I was at my sister's house and my niece was watching a terrible show. And I said, what's this guy? What is he doing? Who's this guy? And she was like, oh, he's an evil magician. And I was like, well, yeah, I know about magicians. Like, I know about David Blaine. Obviously, he's going to be evil. That goes without saying. Sure. (laughs) That's redundant. She was like, yeah, come on. And she was like, no, not an evil magician, an emo magician. Emo is when you have, like, your hair off to the side. And you and I was like, I'm going to stop you right there. Because I need you to understand that you explaining emo to me is me explaining to you what it's like to be a beautiful blonde-haired girl in the suburbs. Like, I understand. We do not need to get I into know this. from emos. Come on. You, like, I was there when Dashboard came out. <laughs> I sang that shit and I meant it. Like, what are you fucking talking about? I love it. I love it. I, so this is apparently just a part, like, in the way that How's she supposed hippies to know, boss? apparently entered the mainstream. Who's, who's church yeah, anyway? Who's church? Who is yeah. church anyway? What do you mean dashboard? Dashboard Dash- what? And then I had to cry because that's what you do when you Coach, listen to dashboard. Dashboard confessional, in case uh, you may not know. Yeah, it's yeah. Not, I'm, it's I'm, not that's Meatloaf's a, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. It's a totally different generation. Dashboard. Yeah, write it down. Make a note. Professional. Um, oh. I also want to point out that the, the person who was very, very comfortable with the lube is a fringy looking, is someone who dresses like a fringy outsider. And I like, and I'm like, oh, good for it. She's like, that is my preferred lube or whatever. I'm like, oh, that's good. Which means she's tried other lubes. And I'm like, that's good. This is what we need more of. We need like that healthy, healthy body image and say like, yeah, that's, that's she's, she has good, healthy appetites. Nothing wrong with it. Right. You don't, yeah. you don't have to answer to St. Peter coach. Every time you go to the, the CVS to get yourself a, I think, Coach, the first time you <laughs> bought you, the first time. I, oh, go ahead. You asked me because I was going to tell a story, but you tell. Ask were me you about to say the first first. time? I was going to talk about the very first time I bought prophylactics. Yes, I have. I have a good one on that one actually. So uh, we're headed back from football practice. This girl, this situation looks like things might be going in a very you know eighties uh, teen comedy direction. I'm ready for it, and uh, so. We go, my buddy and I go into this pharmacy. It looks right? like it's going in an 80s teen comedy direction. God damn, that's a good direction. That's a great direction. Right, right? And so we go into this fucking pharmacy. And who's I'm, we? You know, my but oh, my buddy and I are headed home from football practice. So okay. I've told him until now we're 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 on our mission to go uh get these condoms. And so I go in, we go in and I uh, ask the guy behind the counter. I'm like, uh, can I uh, get some condoms? And like almost on cue because we're in an 80s comedy. These two women come in. Now I'm sure they were actually like 19 year olds, but to me it was like, oh dear God, oh dear God, oh dear God. So I kind of do the like, hey, uh, can, I get some, uh, can I get some condoms? And the dude 
goes, lubricated or unlubricated. <laughs> I was like, holy <laughs> shit. Like, when, when that Chuck Berry record gets to the aliens, it will be the second thing they heard from Earth. The first will be, Lubricated. I love it. I love it. it was so goddamn loud. I and I was like, will you shut the fuck up? Holy what is shit. happening yeah. Yeah. in this yeah. store right now? It oh my god. And I still like I will never forget just the horror embarrassment. Like, if you want to signal that maybe it's not your time yet for the condom usage and what goes along with it, maybe it's that you are that embarrassed at anyone else in the store knowing that that's what you're buying. Because I was, please, earth, open, swallow me whole. Let's just call it a life. This is horrible. So there you go. There's my 80s uh, comedy story. Um, so my, uh, uh, you know, turn of the millennium story, uh, when I was a junior in college, I lived with two other women and two men, five of us in a house, we had a house party. One of my female roommates and I went with our other female roommate's boyfriend. So me and a woman and a man. But we're all just friends. Before the this house party we threw, went to like Walgreens or CVS or something down the street. And our buddy who is dating a woman needed condoms because they regularly have sex. So he gets those and my roommate needed film for her video camera because that's how we used to take videos back in the day. And I, being a smoker, wanted to have cigarettes. And so the three of us walked up to the counter together. And as we're putting our stuff down, we're like, oh. (laughs) Uh, It's going to be one hell of a party. Yeah, I was like, this isn't exactly what it looks like, but I can't explain. So let's just... Give the woman the twenty dollars and we gotta go. I love mm-hmm. it. That's great. My, there's a there's a thing when you're young and you're buying these. I don't know, I don't know how it is for women, but for for me and most of my friends, it was like, uh, have you heard of the term glass frog? A phenomenon of uh, psychology called the glass frog. Um, it is when you feel like people can see what's inside of you. Like if if you've done something mm. wrong. You're like a glass frog. Like everyone's going to know that I'm going to buy, that I'm buying condoms. And I, I'm with that, you know, my girlfriend and maybe we're going to try tonight. Everyone's going to think, oh, he's going to try tonight. Like, you know, you, you just like have, it's a, it's a, it's a byproduct of, of yeah. it's, it's a very common phenomenon. Sometimes it's attributed to childhood trauma, but in general, it's, it can be daunting, especially right out of the gate, especially when you feel like you're not, um, like your first time doing anything. I, I know I, I, I have a hard time breaking the ice uh, the first time I do anything. When, whenever we uh, it sort of runs in the family and I, I feel like I identified it a while ago. And it's like, okay, the first time I do it, the first time I walk into a PTA meeting, I, I don't know who's in there. I don't know where to sit. I don't know if I have any friends in there. I don't know. You know, like, like, so I get, I have to I get crazy anxiety. I get like coach and, and buttercup level anxiety. And then I just go, I got to get through this one thing. Once I walk through that door, like 75% of the time, everything's going to be all right. 25% of the time, it's more of a disaster. So you know that's a possibility and you just, whatever. But so right, when you right, buy right. Con- uh, condoms for my first time, I felt like glass frog. I didn't know that term at the time, but I felt that way. I felt like, but also I didn't have a ton of money. 
Um, I had been, I had been, um, I had been picked out of a bouquet of flowers by an older uh, girl um, who decided that I was going to be her uh, whatever boyfriend. And she was world wise and pretty and cool. And, and I ended up being like Marco Polo for my friends. Like, like, like they're like, (laughs) what? Like, you know, the first one to cross uh, circumnavigate, um, you know, the, the body of a, of a, uh, young co-ed. So, you know, it's like, you know, it was crazy. So it all this like pressure on me and, um, I went in, I'm like, okay, I got to buy condoms, but I didn't have a ton of money. So you're like, I can't just buy condoms. So like, you're like, okay, I'll like, get a Snickers bar and like, maybe I'll get like an air freshener for my car. It's so lame, whatever. And you think like, <laughs> coach is laughing. Coach, why unclick your mic so people know I'm not like alone. <laughs> I already feel I'm getting like a little trauma from, from re- rehashing it. I, I I know exactly oh the God. feeling that you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to normalize this. So yeah, I'm going to normalize uh, yeah. it. She won't even notice right. or they won't even know. You don't know if you're going right, to be a right. man or a woman. You hope, at least for me, I was like, oh, I hope I get a dude. No, it was like an old lady. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. course. But Dear but you're, but like, it's ridiculous. We know now, no, they don't care. They don't care. You're not on their radar, except I was because I did the thing. I'm dying. Like, it was like fighting off like nerves and, um, this is like back before credit card machines, you know? So it's like, you have to actually like hand people something and, and whatever. Um, and then I'm, I get the bag, I'm walking out and I went to go pick out the Snickers bar to eat it. And I dropped it and it kind of bounced a little bit like under this thing. So I went down low and went to grab the Snickers bar. And as I said that the, the old lady who had checked me out thought I was gone. I went to her coworker and goes, somebody's going to do some fucking Oh no! <laughs> Phenomenal. Like I Phenomenal. basically grabbed the singers bar and like, like duck you squatted like, out really of the thing. Like, you, could, you can't stand up in, in right? right. So right. I just basically magically. Uh, <laughs> He's do some that's so good. Good times. Anyway, this is where the root of this is for Wayne. Um, that loop is my favorite. Now he goes to a different place and. Um, Okay, on the way into the uh, on the way into the next place, this is a dynamic. He's walking on the sidewalk. It's like a it's like any town in New England kind of thing. And there's this dude sitting on a huffy. Um, as I say huffy, I don't know. I don't know bikes, but I'm sure it's a nice bike. And but it's this. Um, God, I feel like I either know this actor that's sitting on the huffy, or I know his cousin. He looks really familiar to me. I feel like I've seen a hundred of him in my life. Like, I feel like when they made the human mold, they made this one mold and then it was very prevalent. They just made a lot of whatever this dude is. Cause he looks just really familiar to me. Um, but he makes eye contact with Wayne. And I remember saying when I first moved to California, it was so pleasant because they do this thing where they look at each other. I don't know why this is, but, and I talk about how in new England, up in Boston, Massachusetts, the meanest, hardest people in the whole world. I've, I've traveled around the world there is a thing where, and I know this is where, where Coach grew up in Flatbush and things like that. You make eye contact with another guy. It is like a, it is like, you're going to make eye contact, but it's also like, there's this front of hardness that you have to put up where it's like, like, what the fuck are you looking at, bro? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so sure. the first time I when I moved to California, um, I remember being on the street 
walking down the street, Melrose, I think it was probably, because right by where our, fr- our friend had a, a house on Gardner there. And and I walk in down Melrose and I make co- eye contact with this kind of like, I don't know, this guy much taller than me, looked like he was kind of jacked, kind of a but kind of skatery dread hair. And um, I make normal Boston style hard ass eye contact with him. And he looks makes looks me right in the eye and he's like, What's up, man? <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> You're like, what? What? <laughs> what? I was like, what just happened? Like, that's what happens yeah, yeah. here? Yeah, uh, we yeah, don't have to yeah. like always be on the edge, the cusp of violence at all times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When I got to college, I li- I forget who I asked, but I did ask the question, what the fuck is everybody smiling at? That was an actual thing. Right. Because I was like, what? I don't know you. You smile. What is, like- well, they were all going to Yale, coach. I don't know if I, you I can go? fill that blank. <laughs> well, you know we what? all are going to start that shit today. You're such. <laughs> Sorry, coach. Yes. Yes. Oh, my time in New Haven. Oh, my God. <laughs> jerk you are such a jerk um but yes no no seriously i know exactly what you're saying and listen this is a perf for those who don't know this little beat with wayne on the street he walks by a guy they don't know each other they don't have anything in co- they have nothing to do with each other they're just two men with full of of the of uh, of the toxic uh, hormone of testosterone which which controls far too much of a young man's uh thoughts and deeds and and you see that they just quickly make eye contact with them. But coach, just based on that eye contact, what is the status of these two? Based on the eye contact, what would you say the status of these two is? They could be in a fight any minute. Any minute. Any minute. Yeah, it's crazy. It's insanity. It's insane. I'm by the way, I think I mentioned this already, but I'm watching and I'm gonna f- fuck up the name of it i think it's called chimp kingdom but i will google it while i'm but it's on netflix i've watched three of the four episodes very excited to see how things play out for jackson um who's our alpha yes go ahead go ahead go ahead boss chimp empire it looks like empire there we go um but it's fascinating but it is startling to me daphne and i had a good laugh about this it is startling to me how much I feel I get the behavior of these chimps. Like, like, like fundamentally get it. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, like he can't have that. He's fucking swinging through the trees. Like, what are you, what are you, what are you, fucking tough guy? Like, like I get it. Like I get it. And I'm like, that's very sad. <laughs> that, that chimp behavior makes so much sense to me. But I, so yeah, that's where they are. They're like, who, what are you doing in my territory? Uh, You know. Go go grab you know go grab your monkeys somewhere else. Yeah, no, it's really basic, and it's and it's you, you talk about the no, it's it's crazy, it's crazy. It's you talk the, talk about the root of toxic masculinity, and a big part of it is we don't teach boys what to do with that with that energy. We do not teach. Them. We, we for, for, sure. for if sure. we're successful, we can partially channel it into sports. That's it, because at least sports yeah. have the violence that makes the testosterone sated for a short time. But it, but you know we don't teach uh, don't teach anybody how to do we don't teach masturbation enough. It should be like fucking. It should be as as common as as like it should be. It should be like taught everywhere. Like here's <laughs> here's what you got to do, friend. You know what I mean? Like you, you look like you're a man who needs a release. I mean, if you talk about like how they recruit uh, for jihadists and the things that are mm-hmm. promised, it's all rooted in in that Always. sort of part uh, part of the brain and. Um, 
Uh, but poor boss, she's just looking at me. What what is it, boss? No, no. Actually, I was only thinking that I don't know if it's that we don't teach them how to channel that energy into something productive, or if we teach them to channel all of their energy specifically into that. Because Ooh. women aren't naturally nonviolent. That isn't a thing. I have seen little girls play. Like they are not any less rough or willing to like get down and wrestle than little boys mm. are but we constantly beat that out of them either emotionally or unfortunately sometimes literally right. and we teach you how to be a mean girl not how to be a tough guy oh. and, and so i think that to say that it's like i don't think that boys are inherently more violent i think that we say don't be sad get angry or don't get don't talk about your feelings, just punch something. And with girls, we say you're allowed to talk with other girls unless you don't like those other girls, in which case you talk about them in this way. Like everything is very gendered and very structured in a way that we insist women act like this and men act like this. I don't think any of it is inherent. I think that that's all entirely cultivated. That makes a lot of sense because I've never like the tears I've seen shed over how one group of girls treated a girl or another group of girls is a, is a real, oh my is God. A real thing. And the pain, like I, I could make the argument. I'd much rather be punched in the face. I can make that argument. And I think like very, very convincingly, I'd just rather be punched in the face than go through that. So yeah. I, yeah. Interesting. I just want to like, I'm dying to mansplain this so badly. I'm just dying. Yeah. I mean, that would be what culture yeah, has no, told no. you to do. Uh, no, obviously. no, I, I, I actually, well, actually, actually don't. I'm, I'm clueless about, <laughs> I'm clueless about that and everything else. But, but I, but I, I, um, I will say your your statement. Oh, that you say like, oh, that's the only thing we we put it like. I, I really appreciate that. I take that as a compliment that men are capable of something other than one thought at any given time. Because in my experience, it's mostly like when we talk about uh, saying, oh. Uh, you know, woman goes to her husband and says, Hey, what do you think about it? He's like, nothing. It's like, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is within the realm of possibility for a man to be like literally thinking about, uh, which, which is confounding. I know to, to many women. Um, but um, I remember I um, told you when I first got together with Juliana, like we knew it was serious and we went to a therapist right away. She was, she's like a world renowned um, therapist. She's unbelievable, unbelievable to this day. Uh, it's the best therapist I've ever had. And we see each other. Uh, she lives in LA. If we see each other, uh, sometimes it'll be a function. She'll run through the crowd to hug me. And you know what I mean? Like just, it's pure love. Um, but so much of that uh, first, like sort of couples therapy was the woman explaining to Juliana. Yeah. he He's a man. So like that's just him being a dude. Like he, when he says, he, "I didn't mean anything by it," she's like, "He really, from the right, bottom right. of his heart, did not occur to him on any conscious level." You know what I mean? Right, right. So, um, mm-hmm. anyway, this is um, this little beat. I want to thank Sean, I want to thank Sean Simmons who created Wayne. Uh, I think it's a masterpiece, but I but I um, I want to thank him for. The, the, there's so many little beats in here that I love. There's so many hidden gems, but capturing how men in new England look at each other. Strangers is just not done. When have you seen it coach? Like think about it. Like you just don't, and, and I say new England, but it's also the whole Eastern seaboard basically yeah, all yeah, the way down to Baltimore. It, yeah. 
I don't know that it's as prevalent in the South. Um, I think it's like mostly the Eastern seaboard and, and anywhere where, where Puritans have, have, a have sort of installed their seed. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think yes to everything you just said. And I would say what I liked about it was, I mean, we'll, we'll go through the scene in a moment and, and that's a different thing, but I like that it was just how it is. Like it wasn't, it's like you're saying, it's not that it's special that this guy on the bike and Wayne or whatever, like they're both going to see another guy in about a minute and a half and they're both going to do the same thing again. Exactly. And about 30 seconds after that, again, like that's just how it is. It's not like a special scene. No. But this guy's a troublemaker. It's just that, I, that I really liked about it. That it was just like, that's how it is. Yeah. It, Wayne could walk past that guy, go into the store, walk past someone in the in the non-dairy treat aisle, and they'll give each other the same glare. It's, it's like – it's exhausting, frankly. Um, that is true. Uh, so anyway, Wayne is at the – now he's in this this, uh, this other place, third place that he's uh, visited. He is – has a has some um, a tamp uh, box of I can't tell if it's pads or tampons from this angle, but um, basically looking at something and then but those, those, those are, are tampons. Tampons come in the box. Pads come in like a plastic oh, wrapping. It. If it's soft, Perfect. they're pads. Excellent, wonderful. Um, so there you go, um, uh, boss. Take it away from this point about uh, what happens in this scene here. As he is standing, looking at the box of tampons, which shows a little bit of growth from store one through here. He has actually touched the tampons and is looking at the box itself. Uh, A woman who works in the store comes over and says, uh, your mom or for your mom or your sister. And he says, a girl friend. She's a girl. She says, I hope so. Or these won't work. It's okay. So how bad is it? He says, huh? She says, how, her period. I need to know uh, if you want to bring the right ones back. She he says, uh, she said it was like a Saw movie. Super plus it is, which it, uh, I, do, I don't want to get too graphic on here. I just need anybody who has not experienced a period to understand that at any second, it could be a light and then pretty rapidly switch to a super plus. Like, there's there's not a lot of rhyme or reason to it, at least for me. I don't oh. know. Maybe other people are different. I think I one time tweeted something about how all of the stuff you hear at the doctor's office is usually your period will start light and then get heavier over the week or whatever. I'm like, that son of a bitch busts in like Kool-Aid, man. Like, there is just <laughs> absolutely – it is immediate <laughs> – it's from zero to the shining in like a solid hour. Not it's ridiculous. <laughs> this is so great. This is so this is this is listen, this is what I will say. I don't know, I can't make any other promises, but we are a singular podcast. For bet for better, for worse. <laughs> The shining. Yeah. yeah, you're not getting. You're it's, not getting it's a lot uh, elsewhere. Um, wow. And then, and then, it, yeah, it's a lot. It's different based on all the all the different people experience. Everything. I know all the different and things. Then, and then, uh, it's so fascinating because it also um, PMS hits women so differently. Oh. You know, so I, I have mm-hmm. uh, friends who they're like, oh no, it's not really a, a. Luckily, I escaped. You know, they're like, I didn't get that didn't hit me. And then I had a girlfriend in college who. 
uh, she would be, she would get migraines and just like couldn't, she would shut her down. Her life would shut down until she would mm-hmm. call her doctor and then he would send her these migraine meds and I'd go pick them up. Um, and, uh, then she could function. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, you know what I mean? It just hits people yeah. so differently. Um, there's no rhyme or reason to it. And, um, yeah. And then it also is also unpredictable. So women have that like, wonderful uh, thing. I, I know some people can set their clock by it, but also as, yes. as you, mm-hmm. as you get older, then sometimes it becomes, yep. you know, maybe if you're a person who can set your clock by it um, and then things change, it kind of th- can throw off a lot of your natural rhythms. And, you know, so it's my, one of the, one of the great things group. about being a woman, you know, really fun, really fair. Mm-hmm. fair. My, my cousin was, uh, my younger cousin was getting married and, you know, Hey, what have you learned, you know, out there, out there in the, in the marriage streets? And I, one of the things I told him was track her cycle. You'll just, your world will be a better place. You'll start paying attention. You'll, you know, don't make any stupid fucking comments that week before you get your, <laughs> you get goddamn decapitated. Like just. Like just pay attention, and it, it like at first he thought I was fucking around. I was like, no, I am. I am not kidding. I am, I was like, it's not a thing. It's not to be like, oh come on, honey, what are you on there? Like not that. I'm just saying, like for real. No, for like an empathy, it, empathy sake, not for yeah. Like yeah, like this is good, not the time party. to yeah. complain about some shit that's not really that big a deal. Like just chill out. And uh, he thanked me later. He he like literally thanked me later. Like yeah, you're right. Like like. Just being aware of like this is maybe not the time to bring up some bullshit was really helpful. Well, it, that's actually like one of my few soapbox things that I am gonna get up here on is that it is both unfair that women are categorized as not being able to function at all because of PMS or periods or whatever else, but also then unfair that there is almost no response or uh, remedy for all the issues that you do go through. So like. We'll get shit on because it's like, well, you can't be president if you're a woman. If you had one bad week, then you're setting off the nuke. It's like, well, we're not actually going to do that. But yes, yeah, sometimes you do have debilitating cramps and migraines, which we can figure out and we could get through and we could work with people on. But also the doctor's like, well, that's just normal period pain. What's the problem? You know, don't worry about it. I uh, know a woman who 20 solid years ago would sit down to watch a movie wearing a super plus tampon and a pad and would bleed through to the couch during the course of a movie. If she was not watching it, like this was a very serious medical issue. She eventually had to have an ablation, which is where they go in and they set fire to the inside of your uterus. I really hope I can get one. I can't fucking wait. And then you can't get your period anymore, but they wouldn't give it to her when she was in her twenties because they were sure that she was going to want to have kids. So they just didn't do anything for 20 solid years while it was fucking up her entire body because, I don't know, women are supposed to suffer through their periods, I guess. I I'm not, I don't want to totally speak with Coach, but um, there may be a bit of dead air here for the next few minutes because okay, what fine. did you just say? Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, that first is, of all, yeah. you said oblation. I started to say, what is that? And then you told me oh, what it mm-hmm. was, and I was like, "Sweet Jesus, ovation! I'll give you say? a fucking ovation." No asshole, <laughs> <Yeah>. ovation. 
Exactly. Oh, God. Typical. Boss wants a fucking ovation for everything she does. Imagine that. Oh, no, that is I, that is, Also, I would not. Wow. Uh, yeah, what? Would accept. I, yeah. I, I, I thought okay. the advice you were going to give him, boss, was when he said, yeah, don't bring up some bullshit when she's on her period. I thought you were going to be like, yes, or uh, don't ever bring up some bullshit. Hey, well, also that. But like that should just be. In general, bring up as less uh, the least amount of bullshit you can. But there's always going to be some. Now, here's the problem. I'm trying to go quickly through this episode, and you guys just yeah, are yeah, really, really interesting seconds. people yeah. who have great stories. Mm-hmm. And now all I'm going to be able to think about is um, ablations. Um, uh, Wayne uh, is uh, – we have that nice nice uh, store worker who walks him through Super Plus, And right when that happens, in comes Bicycle Guy – and he walks up to the girl, uh, the, the, the girl who works in the store, a woman who works in the store. And um, what does he say, boss? You don't answer my text now? She says, I can't text you at work. You know that. He says, don't lie to me, which is always my favorite thing. Because it's a, it's a standard abusive man thing. Where you say, here's the thing that is completely reasonable and totally believable. And what he says is, don't lie to me. Like, Motherfucker, if I were going to lie to you, it would be smarter than this. Like, you can go ask my fucking boss. Mm. Anyway. Uh, hmm. Don't lie to me. And then he says to Wayne. Wayne, lo- Wayne uh, turns. Yeah, Wayne at? turns to kind of look yeah, at Wayne him. does turn. Doesn't like the tone, the tenor of this gentleman's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. approach. Nor should anybody. And what does he say? What does he say uh, to yeah. Wayne? Says, uh, what are you looking at? Go jerk off to someone else's girlfriend. Go ahead. No, no. Kid. Now she says, go. She oh, says, go ahead. She kid, says, go she's ahead, like, kid. oh, this guy's trouble. You yeah, know. you don't. Let's not do this. But here's what I. Interesting. I didn't think of it till now. Actually, when I was watching it in real time, it didn't it didn't occur to me. This is super similar to our moment with uh, Daddy Mayhem of like. They are standing. She yes. mm-hmm. works at a store, and a customer is talking to her. This is not in any way an untoward scenario. Like, there's nothing wrong with this moment, other than that you can't imagine your girlfriend plays any other role in this guy's life than to be his like going into his jerk file for later. It's it's quite telling. It's almost as if you think she doesn't have a real job. She just goes to this place. Like, she's supposed to be texting you and not having guys file her away because of how she looks. Like, that's a, that's kind of what you think she should be doing right now. Of course. I would also be willing to bet a large amount of money that he is currently working on his band and doesn't have a job. And she is supporting both of them with this job that he thinks is bullshit. It makes me sad that I didn't think of that and that I am 100% sure that you are correct. I, wanna, I speak I, dirtbag very fluently. Yes, that is true. Uh, <laughs> I want to I want to uh, p- point out the production design by Aiden LaRue <clears throat> and the uh, costume design by Julia Podkos and Megan Oppenheimer because I just love what this guy's wearing. I love his stupid neck beard. I love his... Sh- I lo- this guy is like... He's, he's perfect for what what this guy is. She says, okay, uh, it's okay, kid. Uh, Wayne kind of <clears throat> tightens up the way Wayne does, goes to the, uh, goes to the, uh, uh, 
the front uh, counter to check out. And then he kind of hears something behind him and he turns and what's going on behind him, uh, boss. Uh, as he like turns over his shoulder, they are still, he, he is very quietly yelling, which is a very specific thing, a, a low menacing and grabbing her by her arm, which is, if you're going to do that in public, there's some pretty horrible yeah. shit he's doing at home. Yeah. You, you just, that move says people can see and I don't want to get arrested, but yeah, it's not good. But, yeah. but I am sure it's still going to make sure that you understand mm-hmm. that uh, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. Um, so as he turns around and the asshole boyfriend is grabbing her by the arm, Wayne's putting his stuff on the counter. And after he sees this, he turns back around and he says, I'll also take that bike lock and that aluminum. <laughs> Which as soon as he did, coach, uh, coach is like nodding, watching like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm, yep. Yep. That tracks. <laughs> I, but, so again, God. Wayne's Wayne's thing is that he's got a he doesn't like you know the wrong people getting ahead doesn't like uh, you know he's got an innate sense of justice. Um, and we cut to Coach. Now what we go from this and outside we basically cut to a scene where put he puts the um, puts the bat. Uh, uh, sorry, takes the bike, get orders a bike lock in the bat. And we cut to Wayne beating the hell out of something out of frame with the aluminum bat. And then we see that he has uh, shackled. He put the bike lock around the guy's throat and, and, and attached him to a sign. The guy's all bloodied. So first of all, Wayne kicked his ass. And then, and we hear the guy screaming, I'll fucking kill you. You motherfucker. And then we then we pull out and we see Wayne is hitting the bike. He says, "Not my bike, my baby." And Wayne knocks the wheel, the front tire, off the bike. And then we do a smash cut to <laughs> Wayne back at the counter of the same store, and he says, "What, Coach? I'd like to return this bat." Oh my god, I like la- I loved it, and I also loved the smile from her accepting the return because obviously if you use an aluminum bat to bash a bike to the degree that the wheel literally comes off, it's going to be slightly damaged. And she understands exactly how that happened. And she's like, I accepted the return. I just thought it was like, uh, I don't know what will become of this couple or, or that she, I really wish she would just get away from this guy because she seems perfectly charming. Um, but I love that she was like, yep, I will absolutely thank you by taking this bat back. Done and done. Yeah. Um, I worry for also, her after this, but yeah, I, I worry I like that it's a John Wayne sort of solution where he comes in and you know, raises hell a little bit and then moves on, his, on down the prairie and like other people are left holding the bag to clean it up. But, but still. Uh, maybe not. Maybe the guy is scared straight. I don't know. Um, she definitely liked that someone stuck up for her. Um, so that was a nice beat. I think one of the other things, even though he definitely, Wayne definitely did punch this guy in the face at least once because he's got a bloody nose, maybe bloody lip. Like it, it, that could have been just one good punch though. Like I, I think that the fact that he took out most of his frustrations on the guy's bike in the same way that in the first episode, he didn't beat the shit out of the guy that cheated on Gail. He broke his windows. 
Oh, that's interesting. When when physically assaulting somebody is called for, Wayne will not back off. But whenever possible, he would prefer to do property damage. It's going to hurt the person in a different way. It's definitely still an assault. But he took the bat to the bike. I don't think that he ever took the bat to the guy. You know, it's interesting because we have a, a car we're going to get. No, not my bike, my baby. He manhand This guy manhandles his girlfriend, I would assume, at the point that he expects her to text from work and all this other bullshit. And then, or he actually says somebody else's girlfriend, so there you go. Uh, but But it's not my bike, my baby. And it's, you know, the guy cares that his window got broken. Like, it's, 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 there's a lot in here around guys caring, and this is just coming together right now, guys caring more about things than people. So, like, he really wants to get the landlord. He doesn't beat the crap out of him. He Viking funerals the house. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Anyway, there might be something as this unfolds, but it's interesting. I like that, Coach. That, that, you picked up on a good theme there. That's really good. So Wayne ends up uh, – we cut back to uh, the, the diner. Wayne's knocking on the door. Dell, Dell, I got the things. Um, he's knocking and knocking, knocking, knocking. No answer. Knocks louder. And out walks a, a stranger who gives him a look. And he walks into the bathroom and finds it abandoned. Uh, some music comes up, and he goes – looking back he looks at the booth they were sitting in there's two different people sitting there now and he realizes she's gone dell's gone he doesn't know what to do he uh sits down and and he's in a different booth and then the the uh waitress um tracy comes over same waitress right and then she goes to pour him some coffee he's caught he's got a coffee mug there and she goes to pour the coffee in and he puts his hand over the mug and then like like to say no and then what happens coach and tracy pours and she panics because she has just now poured hot coffee on someone's hand fuck shit holy shit kid he's not phased which you know other things we've seen of him makes its own kind of sense fuck didn't that hurt and he says yes and again it's not that he's detached from pain he just sort of like walks through it uh, you don't like coffee all of a sudden or something? I haven't tasted anything worse than coffee. Right. And and when she walks up, the first thing she says is, I don't think she's coming back, kid. Which that may have added to his numbness. You know, I kind of glossed yes. past that. But um, yes. uh, yeah, exactly the same same thing. Um, he, he doesn't react to it. You see, you see that he has a delayed, like his pain receptors are probably so... Uh, they're like experienced or something. They're just, he's like, he right, just knows. Right. His threshold is off the chart. Yeah. I never tasted anything worse uh, than coffee. Sh- Tracy realizes, oh shit, you got it bad for that bitch. Which I laughed out loud when I, when I she saw it. Right. Yeah. She sighs. Yeah, it was a great way to say it. Yeah. And what does she say as she sits down here, boss? As much as I don't like that coos. Right. And I was like, oh, that one feel that's the first line. I was like, who's I, I don't like that word. Uh, not a, not a fan, but also feels very Tony Soprano to me and less New Englandy to me. Now, now there could be a subset of okay. like, you know, there's there's in the world that Sean Simmons comes from. 
I could see certain words that feel New York-y, New Jersey-ish coming into mm-hmm. play, like making their way to Brockton through different, uh, you know, mechanisms. But that was the first word I was like, I don't hear coos a lot in, uh, you know, in, in the, the prep school, uh, uh, you know, circles I travel in here. In New I York. was unfamiliar. I had to Google that, by the way. And what, what did it say, coos. Coach? Uh, vagina was, I guess the yeah. I, as I you looked it up as slang, so yeah, I, I didn't. But yeah, I, I I was not familiar with that one. Yeah, I think it's a. It's sometimes you'll hear it used. It's a real mafia sort of like you'll hear it like, uh, you know, you could imagine. Like I said, you can imagine at the at the Bing, bada Bing. You can imagine like, hey, this fucking goes on. Mm-hmm. Like it's like mm-hmm. a. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not. It's it's whatever. It's it's uh, like saying twat kind of thing. It's that type. It's a demeaning, yeah. but a little, yeah, a little more sexualized. Yes. It's it's not. God, cunt, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite words. Yes. It's it is more like uh, the the thing with which you have sex. Ergo, the only important part of the woman. Got it. The only important thing about it. Right. So Tracy sits down. Uh, does she have a place she runs off to when you guys fight like this? She and the flowers or jewelry. I'm not. I'm not from around here. I met her yesterday. Oh, oh shit, man. Okay, so a girl that age alone probably heads home. She's got money on her. And then Wayne notices. Uh, she's like, as Tracy's saying that there's a bus station, and Wayne's up already out of the seat. She's right there. And then she turns and she looks at her again, like kind of does a double take. And what does she say there, Coach? That bitch still one of my smocks. I, that was a LOL for me, for sure. I thought that yeah. was great. Be- also because she didn't, we know she, she, she can steal, but she didn't just steal it. She, 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 she's making her way. I mean, it's very, um, you know, you find that one arm man style, but she's just, like she's just trying to survive and get where she's going. And she's got to figure out how to cover up her saw jeans. That's it. And so, right. Yeah. She's self-reliant. She's like, I, this guy has like, He's dipped. Abandoned. He's gone. It's been an yeah. hour. I need to figure something. I cannot sit here. So she finds something that that goes back behind her, like to the to her mid thigh, and she puts it on, and and she's taking matters into her own hands. Right. Um, so I think one of the the agency of that and the um, uh, you know so, sort of her 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 independence and her her sort of she's got that like wild horses kind of spirit you know what i mean where she, like you know she was risking her dad her dad's clearly busted her for stealing before specifically stealing girls cookies and selling them right and then she risks it again she's like i gotta i'm desperate i gotta get gotta get out of here and we're gonna see a couple um examples of dell's sort of sort of fiery spirit as this uh, episode goes on um he calls dell 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 hey and she's no you left me no i didn't it's been an hour you left me and he says, oh, well, I went to the store to get your things. There was a guy being mean to a lady. So at this store, she says, no, at a, he says at a different store. I thought I told you to go to that store. I did. And then I went to another store. <laughs> so there's like this crazy sort of, you know, because it's like it's already kind of off topic here. Like I'm not sure they're fighting about the same thing necessarily because he's trying right, to explain right. like here's the process. Uh, you know, I couldn't buy them at the first ones. Well, how many did you go to? Three. Three? Why? Because it's weird, okay? Which is such a this, this is such a line of delineate. This is a gendered line right here. You know what I mean? You feel like mm, mm-hmm. t- 
talk about mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I, I would think, I, listen, I can't, again, I can't speak for women. I know as a man, you go, all right, I have the option to go to another store. I can just like, that's within the realm of my options. Meanwhile, Dell is, is bleeding and, 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 you know, there's all kinds of things going on. And she's like, I don't have the luxury of fucking around to, you know what I mean? It's weird for you. Weird. And you can lay out my, you can lay my brothers out. You can bite my goddamn, my, my dad's goddamn yes. nose off. I was so glad this was said. You can do whatever you did to that guy who's being mean to some lady. And how's he doing, by the way? Not good. Yeah, not good. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, no shit. I've seen you in action. Not good. Of course he isn't. You can do all that, but you can't buy me some fucking tampons? I cannot believe I came here with you. And you don't even know where the hell we're going. Okay, so let's... I, I wanted to get through that little that little soliloquy there. Mm-hmm. But it is... I mean, you... When you, it's like one of those things where you go, well, shit. When you say it like that, yeah, I guess that seems kind of. Uh. <laughs> but but I would add to it too, though, that it never. What what sparks all of this? The emotion is I've been abandoned. I knew I couldn't depend on anybody. I've lived a whole life not depending on anybody. Why I trusted anybody to go get fucking tampons for me when I needed tampons is beyond. Like she's as much as she's mad at him, I, it feels to me like she's also mad at herself. Like why did I trust this fucking guy? He's another human being, isn't he? And so far in life, this is how human beings act. So there's a frustration built in there. And I think on Wayne's side of the argument, he's like. Of course, I was going to figure out how to get these tampons for you. It just was a little weirder and than I necessarily thought it was going to be or than you thought it was going to be when you sent me. But I was always coming back. Yeah, I was working through it. Right. So right, he, right. he's like, what do you mean I left you? Like, I, like, I've spent the last hour of my life figuring out how to do the thing you need me to do that is totally out of my wheelhouse. Um, so anyway, right. I, 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 yeah, I, I felt for both of them here, and I love those moments in show, in shows or movies in relationships where you just kind of go, yeah, yeah, I get that. Also get that. Like I get where she's like, it's been a fucking hour. I sent you across the street. What is happening? So th- I will agree that both sides are understandable. She is objectively right. Like she oh, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and, and not that you were saying that she wasn't, but like that's what the that's what it comes down to is. He, yes, he had difficulties at the first door. He couldn't go to the second one. Then at the third one, he had to beat somebody up. Like he had all these things that he needed to do, but he was prioritizing what he needed to do versus what she needed yes. him to do. Oh, and what she needed him yes, to do exactly right was show well, up for exactly her right, right now said. in order well to get said. that done. Yeah, but yes. right, he's never this had is, to do that before. He does. He's he's a. We're talking about two lone wolves here, and so this is right. This, this is the thing. You, you're a hundred percent right, boss. He did yeah. not. I think I just walked all over what you were saying. So did I? Were you? Were you done? Or were you still talking? No, that's basically it. I, I mean, the only other thing that I was thinking about is. Um, when she says you could lay out my brothers, you could destroy a TV, you could bite my dad's nose off. So there's a, I, it just like an online sort of thing. I've seen it on Twitter a few times, but whenever preppers or, you know, like anybody who has a large collection of guns that they believe they will be using at some point, they're always like, oh, well, I'm defending my family. I need all of these guns in order to defend my family. And somebody's like, oh, you need to defend your family. Wash laundry. 
what I need you to do is wash a shit ton of laundry because if the clothes are dirty, the kids are going to get sick. If the kids get sick, it's going to be fucking hell. What I need you to do to protect your family is wash load after load of laundry to keep tapeworms and fucking gross parasites out of your house. That's how you The only kind of load I know is the load of buckshot I'm going to be spending the afternoon filling. Bingo. (laughs) Bingo. So there is absolutely an aspect of like, are you interested in act in protecting somebody or are you interested in protecting somebody in the way that you want to, because the way that you want to, isn't necessarily going to get it anything about? done. Is it about me or is it about you right now? Right. Exactly right. Um, uh, I will say that she is objectively right to this point. And then she does this thing. And I, I feel so connected to Dell in this moment because I grew up in a family where a lot of hot-blooded people, you'll find this in a lot of Mediterranean families. Um, I, I can't speak to, you know, Boss has said, oh, the Irish Catholics have, have some form of this or some version of whatever. But I know in my family – we all lost our cool. That was what everybody did. And then you said things, you said real, really, really mean things, like really cutting, because they were going to say it to you. They would say that they would say something that was so hurtful and so spiteful and so unkind. And so you got really good at defending yourself and lashing back out and saving up your sort of, it's not even like you were conscious of it. You just, you just, okay. If you have no, context for your anger for the anger you're feeling and you don't and you feel trapped you know i look at the the poor woman who was having that stupid bike guy come in and bother her at work she feels trapped on some level she's like she would she seems like a person she was she was nice she was she was kind she you know she was good with wayne she didn't seem like she was a an idiot she was she was articulate you know just like coach and um and so uh (laughs) wait jesus christ no, we're just yeah, going to let that one right. right over. We're not going to um, jump in with a and laugh. So, and so, um, you know, but she feels trapped on some level. You can imagine her feeling trapped, that she can't can't shake whatever this dude is means to her. So um, you look at, at this moment with Dell, and it's like when you're full of anger like this, like Dell was like, I know what she, she's like, okay, it's eight minutes. Um. I remember, uh, it's so funny. Like, yeah, I, I just remember growing up and having this exact thing. Like, okay, now it's 22 minutes. Your anger just grows and grows. And you're like, what are the, and then, then it, it's almost like you have to burst. So this is where she goes, I cannot believe I came here with you. And you don't even know where the hell we're going. Del, Del, we'll find it. All right. I promise. Who even are you anyway? Like, this is where you go, boom. Like, this is where it breaks. You burn your own house down. Okay. That is vicious because we know why he burned the house down. Yeah. Right? It wasn't like he was just playing with matches. Yeah. That That's is mean spirited. That comment and that jacket, what kind of weirdo wears that jacket? I mean, what the fuck even is it a shark of in some sort of Japanese sunrise? And then she, 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 okay, we're going to take this part right here. I would say like, I just want to point out, her anger has no place to go. She has been living with her anger her whole life. Her, she's got a father and brothers who are mm-hmm. only uh, <clears throat> obstructive to her and and oppressive and unkind. She doesn't. There's no other female influence in her world that we're aware of, which is why she sort of has some tough guy sensibility to her. You know what I mean? In that her dad is her only role model. Just like I talk about, uh, uh, I mentioned last time how. 
she can sometimes emulate tonally what her father sounds like in the same way when we first met Jamie Tart, he sounded a lot like James Tart Sr. In, in that that's the only way he knew how to interact. Um, as as he's, she's doing this, one of the gnome uh, salt shakers that she stole topples out of her pocket and breaks in the ground. She says, shit. And then, boss, what does Wayne say? You shouldn't do that. Yeah, shouldn't be doing that. Stealing. And she says, no. No, you don't tell me who to be. Boss is not bosses. Yeah, boss. What do you say? I mean, she's absolutely right about that. Like, I, And I think that sometimes we perceive characters as their personality traits are because of previous drama. Like what we are saying right now is she is the way that she is because of her dad and her brothers. And that her anger doesn't have any place to go is the thing that you just said. She's fucking right to be angry right now. It doesn't, if she had fucking Mr. Rogers as her dad and somebody left her in a bathroom for an hour when they were supposed to be go getting her tampon so that she wouldn't bleed on herself. If you fucking left her for an hour, she should be yelling at you. You should be in trouble. You, you are wrong. Like possibly there are situations where, listen, I uh, having, having now uh, lived for many, you know, virtually half my life uh, with Juliana's family. I'm like, Oh yeah, no, that wouldn't happen ever. And ever you could be sitting there. She was sitting there for an hour and she'd be like, I know my dad is out getting me my stuff. I'll just like, you know what? I'll grab it. I'll see if I can get a magazine. You don't have to get angry because you know it's not a slight. You, you don't have because, to. Because right. you're so comfortable in the world that you live in and the people around you have such kindness and, and empathy and, and enthusiasm for helping you. It would never even occur to you that they would be out gallivanting. You're like, what? Like, I feel on, on the contrary, you, you might even worry. You might be like, oh, God, I hope they didn't get in the car accident or something because I know they must be dying to get back to me as quickly as possible. Like, even, even, I'm just saying, I grew up in that family, and now my family's like, like how Juliana's family is like, like, yeah, you know, because it's, because you know people are in your corner, and so if you get angry about it, like that you're being put out or something, it's almost like, well, obviously they're not intentionally doing. I, you know, I always talk about it goes back to intent. You have to look at intent, and sure, and in this case, his intent was not to slight her, but he didn't do anything to make sure that he wasn't slighting her. Like, I feel like there's, it would be, yes, if he were hit by a car and knocked out for 45 minutes and he came back and she was still pissed at him, absolutely uncalled for. But if you are out and you get sidetracked and you do your own fucking thing and you have to beat up a guy because your moral code requires that you stand up every time you see that, okay, he did pick what he needed to do versus what she needed no question. to do. No question. Like, I'm it, just yeah. saying it's not it's not a default so, thing that you, that like I know, I, I'm not, not every family default. is angry and not every person is angry. I know that's probably you know like like you are you are very connected. Yeah. Whatever your synaptic patterns and your and your brain wiring, you're very connected to when you don't like something or when you you know like you're very like. Like it doesn't, there's no, there's no filtration system that tends to calm that down for you. It goes like right from thought to action in that for you, I'm saying. Uh, Yeah. And I think that's, I think it's super healthy. What what I was getting at was, uh, she says, you don't have to, you don't tell me who to be. I am fine. Okay. Will will you move? I can't yell at you with those fucking tits over your head. 
which is like his head is the the truck yeah. with the boobs on behind it. And now this is what I was getting at. She says, you know what? Fuck this. Now, depending on that fuck this instinct is either super unhealthy or or kind of healthy. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, depending situationally, I'm like, you learn the fuck this reaction. Like, fuck this. Unfortunately, it, it presupp- when you when you get to fuck this, it usually means that the, the, the there was not enough body of work done ahead of time because so it pushes you to make a split decision. But really, it's it's your it's your limbic brain quickly quickly aggregating all of the pros and cons. You know, they say uh, your decision making is not done in your frontal lobe or your frontal cortex or whatever. It's done in your limbic brain, like it's done in your in your animal brain, um, in your primate brain. So you go. Sometimes fuck this is like a, almost like a really healthy defense mechanism to be like you know I've just done the addition and like this is the math doesn't work for me, um, and she says don't follow me, and I love this. I really love this as a writing choice. I love this as a beat between them because like we're learning a lot about them. Yes, his intent was not to make her wait. He was he was trying to get over a huge thing that he. Uh, it had had all kinds of agony uh, about doing, and and you know, really felt out of place. He did stop to to you know in, inflict his code, all of these things. But they don't have anything yet. They have no language, no love language between them. They have no shared agreements. I always talk about have shared agreements, even if like right now you're in a relationship. And you're like, oh, my relationship's good, but you've never done your shared agreements. I'm like, make sure you make sure you are sharing those, like specify them because it makes things easier. So with this, they have no shared agreements. And so, of course, when they have their first altercation or their first hiccup, she just fucking explodes. And she goes right to fuck this because that is healthy in her world. So I'm just going to say, I think... I sort of agree that it's healthy, not just in her world, but in this situation. I think if we take this from her viewpoint only, yeah, he seems great. Like she went to sell cookies. He wanted to buy them. He showed up later. Like he went out of his way a little bit for her. And then he said, you want to go to Florida and get this car with me? She was like, yeah, great. And then as they're doing this, she's like, wait, you don't know where the fuck you're going. We don't have any shit. My ass hurts. We're fucking driving a dirt bike to Florida in order to find a car that you don't even know where it is or who owns it. Like, in reality, if this were, God forbid, a niece, and she called me from Rhode Island and it was like, hey, I took off with this guy and now it seems like it's not working out. I'd be like, I'm going to fly you home and you come back because this is fucking nonsense. Like, she isn't wrong in reading the situation the right way. We know that Wayne has this internal moral compass that makes him do things. She doesn't know shit about him yet. She's right to walk off. If she if she left the show right now, I'd be like, all right, great job, Dell. Catch you later. Is she right to walk off or is she justified to walk off? And I'm really asking that question. Yeah, coach. It seems to yeah, be... tell her. Straighten her no, out. No, don't you. Straighten no, her no, ass no. out. Don't you even. Don't you. <laughs> oh, she's such a goddamn, goddamn know-it-all, yeah. coach. No, no, no. Put no. her in her place. <laughs> oh, my God. That's the last <laughs> thing. No one's putting anyone anywhere. Um, <laughs> there will be no pudding today. There was no pudding. No. no, no, no. But really, because as I was listening to you, I was like, absolutely. And, it, you, and that's a really smart way to frame this. If I got a call from, 
former player, niece, whatever, some mm-hmm, young mm-hmm. woman in my life who was like, okay, my situation sucks. I just t- took my first shot at something that might be different. And now this looks like a bad idea. Like you, I'd be like, I'm on my way or here's money, get to the safe place. And I th- I do think it's inconceivable to Dell that ultimately he's anything but a piece of shit. And I think she allowed like a 1% to 10%. Oh my God. Could it be that there's someone out there who isn't a piece of shit? And for her in that hour, she decided what a fool am I? People are pieces of shit. And of course he's a piece of shit. Cause that's what, so, so yes, coach. Yes. I think you're, so yeah, that's say justified more so than right. Because I do think Wayne would. I think Wayne is. We are seeing from us from our point of view, watching the whole thing. We are seeing that Wayne is not a bad guy, and it's not that Wayne didn't care about getting the thing for her and all these things. But I get yes, where for her it's like you have really rolled the dice here, sister. And if you feel at all like this ain't a good idea, then sooner than later would be when to get out. I. I remember being young and falling in love for the first time. And I was pretty young, uh, you know, sort of based on when people fall in love for the first time. Um, And I remember people calling it puppy love. Oh, you got a case of puppy love. And I remember thinking like, this is, it felt like a tidal wave. I I almost couldn't control anything inside my, my emotions. My, I was so, overwhelmed by it. And I remember thinking, I'm never, ever going to belittle someone going through their first love in the future by yes. by labeling it in that way, because it clearly means you haven't experienced this like, it, or, or you experience it differently. So when I, I love that both of your first instinct is to, is to uh, protect, which is adorable for boss because she's, you know, like a, a literal um, troublemaker. Um, but, but um I do love that coach and, and boss, you say like, Oh, I'd get my, but, but part of what's, what's missing here is when, when Dell put her head on Wayne, I, what we're, what we're skipping past is inner knowing. And I think we do a really poor job in this society of teaching people what an inner knowing is. Now, coach, th- this is like, this is literally the difference between um, a black cultural thing and a white culture thing. When we, when I laughed at saying, when you, when you said, do your thing, right. That's inner knowing that's you. Then that mm. means, You've done the work to know what your thing is. And when I say about white people, we go, you don't have a fucking thing. Go do your homework and mow the fucking lawn. You don't have a thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's not part of, it wasn't part of my ethos growing up, like that I should be looking for my quote unquote thing. Part right, of that right. is all, all part of understanding the, like who you are and what you're about. And therefore, when you know something, an inner knowing, when you know something with every fiber of your being, like when this guy, some, I'm going to go in this guy's room and sometimes, and I guess I'll tell him I live in the shithole in Norton and he's going to come break me out of prison. And I'm going to go with him with the only caveat is I got to grab a bikini. That's an inner knowing. So part of it is like, okay, like, yes, I will get you a train fare to come back and I'll do this. But like, is this one of those things? And like, have you bailed too early? And we're going to talk about, the advice that comes up from Tracy as we get there, um, Wayne, um, Wayne, uh, he respects her. And this is what's so funny. He's so literal. Gail, the nurse uh, who was helping her father in, in episode one was like, you got to learn to 
you know, feather the feather the the truth, that kind of thing. But Wayne is like very literal. So when she says, "Don't follow me," and he, and he actually respects her, which he does. He did not mean to do this shit. He, I know he did it, and that, and I'm I'm not exonerating him to say like it sounds like oh I'm just mansplaining like hey listen sometimes a man's got to do what a man's got to do. I'm not saying that. I'm saying. In his world, he was working through this shit. He did get it done, albeit far, far too late and far too long, and didn't account for what anxiety she was going to operate with, and also stopped to 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 be the sheriff. All, all I'm, I'm 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 admitting all that, but he did try to get it done. And then, so when she says "Don't follow," he's like, "Great, I'll have to respect her. I don't follow." He goes back to his campsite where he had uh, skinned the rabbit, and and what does he find at the campsite, boss? Oh, a couple of kids trying to steal the shit. Right. A couple of kids have stumbled onto his thing. And it's funny because you get the you get the look, you get the, the tight uh, close up of Wayne. Um, and then you have him. Uh, then we cut to a shot of the of the campsite from behind the kids who are perusing his his shit. And then for some reason, Wayne drops out of a tree in frame. And like he's like Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, run! The kids like, freak, you know, you get music. They freak out. The, the first kid just just bails right away, which is again, which is so, uh, it's so true to like, that's how it works. Like, if the cops are after you when you're a little kid, I remember like you just run when the cops came. Cops would come and everybody just run, they just take off running. And and then I'm like, I remember one time, um, I went to a, a, a my prep school was a um, had its own golf course. I should tell you how um, how uh, how. Just to jump in here, yeah. this is the guy who episode after episode gives me shit about where I went to school. The school yeah, I went to fuck? had Come its on. own golf course. I'd like yeah. that's a t shirt. Of that's course, it did. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't be caught dead. Um, only nine holes, but um, so. Uh, I remember one time we had a big game, and then we um. Uh, we went to get pizza and we got a bunch of two liters of soda. And it was like eight or 10 of us. Like a lot of guys, I forget what sport I was playing lacrosse. Maybe I forget what, whatever I was playing and we were tired and then it got dark and we were just like, Oh, we got to walk and eat this. So we walked to the golf course and we just were eating pizza and drinking soda. And the cops come flying with their sirens on through the night. They come to the thing. We all take off running. And then like, like eight minutes later, huffing like in the woods, we realized like, what the fuck were we running from? We we're just eating pizza and soda on our, and we went back and they had taken our pizzas. We're like, you motherfucker. You know, like I'm like, wait, it was just the instinct right, was to run. Right, you know what I mean? Right, like that's just right. how how it was. Um so you but you know, I say that because when we ran, a couple people bailed, like right when the cop one slipped on a piece of pizza, you know, like it's never as clean as you think. It's like when they talk about war, it's never like, oh, let's march into war. It's always like people shitting themselves and breaking an ankle in mud before you even charge. Like, you know, like it's just always the most horrendous shit. So I love that when Wayne drops out of the tree, the first kid just takes a digger. The second kid screams like, don't kill us or whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, run. And then don't kill us. We have money. He says, I'm not going to kill you. And I'm, and I like this this nuance for Wayne because there's the holy shit. Oh shit moment. Like, okay. And you're, and you learn the, the show is teaching. It's teaching you like, remember when, um, Oh, did you guys get the email I sent you by the way earlier today with the, with the gif in it? 
when that gif, when he get, it was the gif of um, when the landlord opens the envelope uh, and it says, fuck you, eat shit. And a picture of the penis, uh, hand-drawn penis uh, picture. Um, uh, when, when that happened, no, I think it was when the landlord said, oh, you know, to your old man, like made this thing. Coach was like, you are a dead man. You know, like, because that was episode one and, and Coach is learning from the show, where are Wayne's lines, right? When we see the the little glare from the bike guy on the street, right? You go, oh, okay, there's some from friction there, but didn't seem Wayne appropriate. Like it didn't seem like it pushed Wayne past the like when we saw the kid on top of Orlando, right in the in the hallway of episode one. You knew Wayne's going to grab the first weapon, the Mobetta Blues trumpet, and right. So, so, so we're learning what these are. He drops down to these kids, and does he say like, like, do you think at this point he's going to? destroy these kids we don't have any evidence that he won't at this point until he doesn't he goes i'm not gonna i'm not gonna kill him right somehow in the in the world of the underbelly or the sub sub culture of this whatever world that this show exists in right like these kids don't don't threaten wayne's sense of right and wrong despite the fact that they're going through his shit I think that's just a fascinating little piece of little piece of of character uh, sort of information. Well, I, so far, everybody that he has assaulted have done something wrong to somebody else. He doesn't really care if people. It, it, he didn't lose his mind when uh, Tracy accidentally poured the coffee on him. Like he's not just flying into rage. He doesn't even seem to care that much when people are mean to him specifically. He is always looking out for other people. That is a great. So insight. even if they were, I mean, even if they were going through his shit, like I have to imagine that if he himself came upon what appears to be an abandoned campsite, he would start going through the shit too, just to see what's there. Even if he wasn't going to take it, he wants to know what, who was here, what is there, is there anything cool? But I, I didn't ever imagine that he would beat up, especially because they're younger kids. Like, yeah. I couldn't imagine that he was going to do anything. I want to like point out that there's a black kid and a white kid, and 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 that like. This show just does a great job in that way. It just you've been highlighting that. I, I highlight it all the time, but it's it feels more real and more honest and more like, you know, like experientially, it's like it's it's like it normalizes it somehow. It just goes like, all right, like this is like what it actually is. Like, you know what I mean? We don't even have to like have a, you know what I mean? Um. So so anyway, uh, Wayne uh, sort of uh, says, "I'm not going to kill you." And the first thing the the kid says to him is, "Sweet jacket, man." And Wayne has this little beat of the look on his face. He kind of remembers the pain of hearing like Dell sort of like destroy something that must hate be very, yeah. Hate something mm-hmm. that I think is, you know, we talk about why, why does it matter coach the when that, that uh, uh, when you want to hurt a man, you hurt his things in this show, right? In the world of this show. Right, right, right. This Wayne has almost no things. And this is this jacket's one of them, and she just completely craps on it. <laughs> remember, yeah. remember, I was listening the other day to the to the, one of our podcasts where Coach talks about how uh, he bought a fucking leather trench coat that almost destroyed his credit <laughs> for ten years, <laughs> and I was laughing, thinking like so stupid a, tre- a leather trench coat, like like your Absurd. shaft or something, like your yeah yeah like, I'm, I'm like what I, in the what? world. In the fucking world. I mean, I remember getting <laughs> mad because I couldn't afford like a Durango duster. You're like one of those uh, 
like cowboy, like, thank God I couldn't afford it at whatever time right. I was trying right. to afford it. You know what I mean? But like, there, I think like at some point boys in the transition to manhood go through some long coat stupidity <laughs> that, that just seems to like, <laughs> you know, sort of dot their, dot their, their, their wardrobe existence. Um, I'm just bummed out that you don't still have it. That you said Daphne I made wish. you toss it. I would have laughed sure if you I could put it on that. right now. I would laugh forever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so the guy guy says sweet coat uh, uh, to Wayne. He just like kind of sighs, takes it off, and gives it to the kid. What is that, boss? I mean, number one, he didn't care about it anymore because uh, Dell had insulted it so he didn't think it was as cool he was now seeing it through somebody else's eyes and thought i don't really like this and this kid still likes it in a way that up until a couple of hours ago he did so if he doesn't need it anymore give it to somebody that does want it i i have found in my life um the people with the least uh tend to be the most generous and and it it's hard to explain that um i remember Absolutely. i remember being uh, um I remember being uh, in the South Pacific in Vanuatu and going to these homes. And, and I remember the, the, the food, these like the people lived out in the middle of the jungle. You have to trek through the jungle to get there. And they were so excited that I was visiting. They would make like a spread and I'm looking at the food that they made. It's like, it was like all their food for a week. They just did it up for, and I'm like, I wanted to like cry, you know, because I knew, I knew what this meant. And I remember going to, um, uh, in Kenya, I was in uh, this place in, uh, a city in Kenya called Nakuru where my father was a Peace Corps volunteer. He joined the Peace Corps when he was uh, 67 and then was there for two and a half years in, in Kenya. And I went to visit him and in Nakuru, like I remember we would go around and visit all these people. And there was one guy who, Oh my God, he's the most brilliant man I've ever, one of the most brilliant men I've ever met. His name was Francis. And he basically built a machine shop out of nothing. He had no education, none. And he built like lathes from scratch. And you saw like how it was almost like uh, if you could see if, like like a, if you took a Hollywood version of of like what they would make like a, a lathe built out of spare parts, what it would look like. You know what I mean? But like he really did it. And then he would train other people, and and, and then he would he would like make you something and give it to you for free. Would not accept money. You know, wouldn't accept. And you just go, oh my god! Like so, it's just this real nurturing sort of kindness that comes it's like a, a thing between people who don't have anything um that the things are not the are not as important as, as everybody sort of swept up in the commercialism and the commodification of everything in this culture um it's really beautiful um so when wayne gives this coat uh gives this coat away the kid's like sweet you know like really likes it um i saw the bikini in your tent is that where you take the girls and you know kill them that's what he said the other kid says kill them he says oh, i was my girlfriend's was um and then the kid with the glasses says i had a girlfriend once what does he what does he say there coach had tits when she was 10 jesus that is some boy talk right there yeah that's like <laughs> I, that, I, mean, I didn't even know what to make of it. i was like okay i prefer you had said it that way but i understand what's happening here so yeah okay. well it's totally appropriate for like what how boys yeah, they're not, it's yeah. not like they're like 19 no I mean, no no like, they're yeah. like 13 they're, they're kids yeah. too yeah yeah it's like yeah had tits when she was 10 and then the other kid goes dude are you talking about my girl <laughs> like <laughs> i'm like what the hell like this is such a slice of life weird like weirdness and he goes yeah. she was my girl first 
I, I, I'm like, I, yeah, and she dumped you. What is happening? Okay. I just think, like, I love those little asides. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So what happened to your girl, Wayne? Uh, he doesn't say Wayne. He says, what happened to your girl? And Wayne stands up. He says, you guys should leave now. He says, you beg her to stay, right? Because girls, they want you to fight for them. This is like, um, mm. oh, were you a, oh, God, what movie was this? Were you a, a little girl tells a man, ah, damn it, I can't think of it right now. Um, were you a, were you a dummy? Because, oh, no, I know what it was. Oh, it was the Amer- yes, it was the American president. And uh, Michael Douglas has just broken up with uh, Annette Benning, and or she like dumped him, whatever. And and his daughter of all people was like, "Were you? A, I forget the word she used. Were you a, a jerk? Because you know she was saying like girls like that when you compliment your sh- her, their shoes. Girls like that. And then she's like, did you did you go after her? Girls like that. And so it, it had a little bit of that tinge of flavor here. You begged her to stay right because girls they want you to fight for them. But how would Wayne know that? And Wayne says, she told me not to follow her, so I didn't. He says, you have to follow him. And Wayne is like, you know, taking this in. How far is the bus station, he says. And they say, you're, you're out of gas. We tried to steal your bike earlier. <laughs> but the station, was- will, station will take you like 30 minutes. Or if you cut through the golf course, there's a hole in the fence. You'll be there in 10 tops. So just to go back quickly to the, did you fight for her? She wants you to fight for her. You should have followed her, blah, blah, blah. Um, this is for me at sort of the turning period between what we used to think was romantic and the residuals of those and what we understand as being not romantic moving forward in that like fucking, uh, what was it the other day? Somebody was talking about, what was that movie? Urban Cowboy. That's the one with Deborah Winger and John Travolta. And somebody online had said something about how it's one of the most romantic movies they'd ever seen in their entire lives. And the only thing I remember from that movie is that John Travolta hits Deborah Winger, like hits her, like intimate partner violence hits her in the movie. And part of what he promises at the end is I'm never going to do that again. And I'm like, oh, this is not this is not a love story anymore, you guys. This is like this is a, maybe this is a vil- Villanelle origin years story. Ago. Yeah, this is like a what yeah, are we like, talking what about the here? Fuck? Yeah. What is happening now? So I think that there are uh, you're the worst is one of my favorite shows, and Gretchen Cutler says repeatedly, like I picked you because you fought for me. Like there is a little element of you want them to put forth the effort of saying like. You are important to me. This relationship is important to me. I am going to work at it and make sure that you know that it's important to me. And then there's the other side where it's like, hey, stalker, I literally would like you to leave me alone now. Like, honestly, yes. literally, Bo- please do Boss, not. Boss, have you seen oh. Revenge of the Nerds? Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, so like, we're, this is... <laughs> I'm just trying to fucking, tee up and this that is, coach because he's like, like, that movie is a hate crime. That movie's, it's fucking... Well, and this is some of the shit that like... I mean, this was common in the early 90s to have that shit where, like, through the late 90s, like, fucking Jerry Maguire is running through wherever it is to get to Renee Zellweger or whatever. Like, just fucking call. Or just, like, I think part of what I am pushing back on on this kind of, like, it was Dell right to bail. Should she have bailed that early? Blah, blah, blah. Everything that goes along with that is 
there should always be a chance later to fix this, except for the the physical violence. Please don't ever do that. Please, please don't ever like that's not don't go back. It's not going right. to get better. It's going to be bad. But in other instances, like it could Wayne have fixed this by once Dell is back home. Can he find her? Can he say like, hey, I fucked up. I'm going to do better in the future. Like part of what is making me crazy about this is this idea that it has to be now or never. But if they don't make it work right now, it's never going to. You can work on yourself. You could become a better person. You could figure out how to buy tampons without being embarrassed and going to three different places. And once you are a better partner for the person that you want to be with, you could go back and say, hey, I've done the fucking work. Can we be in a relationship now? You can no. do that. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, impossible. Sorry. No. I was no, forgetting. No, no, no definitely you. not true. No, thanks. Nice try, though, boss. That's good. Thanks. I'm trying to think because everything you're saying there is making sense to me. And I'm trying to think if I'm holding on, like, am I making room for the possibility that it can go different ways? Or am I holding on to some of the very things you're pointing to? But when those kids told him, like, you got to follow her, I was like, yeah, like, yeah, you got to go follow her. And, no. and, and I know and, and I get why. Boss, maybe you're not don't, advocating against But also that, right? maybe do. Like, did Dell quote, want him to come after her and prove that he really did? I don't know. What would Gretchen Cutler do? Yeah, no, that's right. Oh, oh, no. And what Gretchen? So sorry, I don't know if anybody's going to actually sit down and watch all of You're the Worst, but there is uh, there is an episode where after a couple of years of therapy of Gretchen working on herself, she starts to blow up a relationship and then goes outside and says out loud, mostly to herself, but also so that we know her exact thinking, I'm going to smoke one cigarette and give him a chance. I'm going to give him one one cigarette's worth of time for him to come out here and go after me and make this work. She ends up sitting and smoking maybe an entire pack of cigarettes because she wants to be able to give him the chance to make it better. But that is a very different thing from it. I like, I get why it might be romantic, but honestly, if a woman says this is over and do not follow me, the answer is you don't. The answer is you walk away. You can contact her later, maybe through a safe method mm-hmm. and say like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to give you your space. I want to respect this. But also if you would like to give me another chance, I would like to take it. Mm-hmm. You can make an overture. You can go back and say, I would like to try this again. But I don't, I can't really ever feel comfortable advocating that if a woman says, leave me alone, you're like, oh, she must not mean it. I must chase after right. her and make sure that she loves me. Right. What if she's, like the, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It's For, tricky. Of course. Absolutely. You're hundred percent right. Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. I think for the purposes of this, having confused 15 year olds in another state, you know, and she's by herself, like, I think like, uh, for nothing other than to make sure she's okay, he should be going out, he should be making like, he should double check that she made it somewhere safe. And I mean, if nothing else, but um, uh, so they say, don't listen to uh, no, don't listen to him. Jamie, shut it, man. He says, why? Because Lee fucking Murray. Okay, who's Lee fucking Murray? Lee fucking Murray is the guy who protects the golf course. From what? From kids who take shortcuts. It cuts 30 minutes off your walk to school. And the other kid says, I heard he killed a kid once. Rumors. But he totes worship Satan. I'm saying don't because he has a gun, okay? Big mistake. But you said I should fight for her, Wayne says. Holy shit, he's going. Now, we go over to the fence. The hole in the fence. The faded hole. 
the the hero's journey is going to go from the world of the known to the world of the unknown. This next sequence has a little bit of Tarantino in it, just ever so ever so little that. Yeah, I see. You that. know what I'm saying? Just a tiny bit of like farcical insane like hyper violent farcical subculture craziness that you like if you squint you're like i could i could see people out there like this but it but it 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 sort of imperils reason uh bring out the gimp yeah right it's that it's that kind of vibe um so wayne uh looks at the fence for a second and the guys run up after him. And I and I like that now they're like a thing. It's like these three guys are like, they're not at all, they're almost associates of a kind. Like, it's, you know what I mean? There's not, Wayne is not threatened by them. Th- his entree into meeting them was they were rooting through his shit. But like, again, th- there's a clear delineation between who he's threatened by and who he isn't. And then bam, there he goes through the fence. Okay. So um they're watching with bated breath he walks off of a a uh, little concrete uh sort of piling thing and then two steps onto the grass and and a voice to from his right says uh hey ombre and we pivot and in frame we see uh a dude with a neck tat little mustache and we get the the Chiron, we get the, we get the graphic over him. We just zoom in and lock on him, and it says Lee fucking Murray, and he says you on my grass. He's not. He's not. It's not your grass. Hey Lee Murray, you don't need. You do not need to do this much for this job. This is not because you want to protect that golf course so badly. This is because you want to shoot people. Which I would underscore. I don't know when the last kid cut through here, but y'all could fix the fence. You could fix the fucking fence. I I thought that too. What's happening right now? Lee Murray clearly doesn't fix the fence because he wants he wants this moment. Yeah, yeah, he wants it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Coach and I talk all the time about like this is well, I know Coach does because I can't. I am terrified of this type of redneck insane undereducated lunatic with a gun i can only imagine if i was a black black man i i i am terrified of because you can't reason with this type there's no reason it's just they have a they have a thing in their head and you're not gonna you're not gonna out 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 uh, logic them so you're just like this is really a sort of sort of precarious you on my grass now it's your ass now we get a beautiful shot. I love this shot. Framed all the way to the far left of the frame is this sort of amped up, like green golf cart. So it's a golf cart, but it's all tricked out. <laughs> like if you're gonna like just waste a shitload of money on a golf cart, uh, you could add all these things to it. And I know that like, in Florida, I know there's people that like literally travel around their little gated communities and golf carts all the time. This is like a olive green, olive drab sort of. Uh, you know, if you're going to camo up your golf cart. Okay. Right next to the, the amped up golf cart, you have Lee fucking Murray. He's got the, he's got the, the shotgun leveled at, um, at Wayne. I can't tell what gauge the shotgun is from here, but in the far right side of the, fr- of the frame, um, you have Wayne just standing there, arms at his sides. It's a beautiful shot. And it's a great sort of, 
one guy is in a very aggressive position and one guy has his arms at his sides. But that other guy with the arms at his sides is Wayne. And so he reaches into his back pocket and what does he take out of his back pocket, Coach? Hammer. Hammer. Because why? Because he has what? Because he has he has a hammer it on him has all a hammer. the time, apparently. Uh, I, have a, I have a hammer. Um, and then he brings it into his right hand and he says to Lee fucking Murray, put it down. As he's spinning the hammer in his hand, rock music kicks on. And then he takes one step toward Lee Murray. And Lee Murray, Lee fucking Murray does what, boss? Shoots him. Full on shoots him. He yeah. shoots him. He and this, Wayne. you know, to uh, back up the idea of it being a Tarantino movie almost, it, not exactly, but that level, uh, in Pulp Fiction, Vincent is talking about somebody, how somebody keyed his car. And there's a line in there about, uh, I wish I could have caught him doing it. I'd have given anything to catch that asshole doing it. It would have been worth him doing it just so I could have caught him doing yes. it. And that's the yes. mentality here. Like, I'm going to leave it open so that I can catch you because it's, because then I get to enact oh, yeah. justice. I get to bring down the hammer for a fucking golf course. God damn. Golf courses should be illegal. I fucking hate them. They're so terrible. Sorry to anybody who likes golf. They fucking it sucks. Yeah, I, 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 I get the argument. <laughs> you do. know, what you don't know is I Coach do. just I, took up golf. I want to learn. Like, hey, I want to learn. Kinda, kinda and like I get going it. going out I, to golf a little bit. No, no, like, I get it. I hate but golf. I get it, though. Oh, but yeah, I, I have my, I have clubs like right here, but I understand. And if someone said they're all gone, I'd go, that's fair. That's fair. I'll find something else to do. <laughs> so the kids, <laughs> you know. the kids uh, take off. Go, 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 run, run, run. I and mean, Wayne's fully dropped. He, he gets just put down and, and uh, we're left there with, you know, the same establishing shot of, of Lee fucking Murray slowly lowering the gun and Wayne, just laying out on the ground. Um, we cut to an establishing shot of a, of a bus station. So we have a bus go by. Um, and, um, I, I, wait, I want, before we do that, I just want to call out. I don't think anyone thought this was going to happen. And this is like the type of beat that I really like. You're like, I know Wayne knew this guy's not going to fucking shoot me. Or like that's, it's right, step, right. stepped toward the guy and like, just did. totally misplayed. The the the, the ignor the the level of ignorance and that this guy must have and misplaced confidence and mm-hmm. and toxic masculinity. I mean, like you, you think like what is the cocktail that makes Lee fucking Murray tick? Um, mm-hmm. Whatever it is, it's horrific and the product of a terrible, likely a terrible upbringing and again underschooling and all kinds of uh, things where. That that leads him to this moment to shoot a stranger in the face from point blank. Now, the boys run off, and so we we have this establishing shot of um, bus going by, and then this this incredible insert um, of a tiny little baby and a most adorable little baby looking back over his mom's shoulder. Or her mom's shoulder. I can't tell if it's a little boy or a little girl. Absolutely adorable. I love babies. And boss, we see that Dell is the person that the baby is looking at. And what does Dell say? She mouths, fuck you. I mean, I, so I, I just, I understand. Wow. 
I think that there's a part of this that is supposed to be like, she gives so little of a fuck about anything that she will tell a baby, fuck you. I have to also say though, uh, in high school, I was at a buddy's house and his mom said to their dog, Oh, Sophie, Sophie, do you, do you want to go to in some place, not walk, not treat, not one of those words, but like, do you want to, do you want to go to grandma's house? She fucking doesn't know what grandma's house. Sophie, do you want to go to grandma's house? And she said, Oh, look how smart Sophie is. She knows exactly what I'm saying. She's so excited. My buddy goes, mom, she doesn't understand anything you're saying. Hey, Sophie. Hey, Sophie. You're just a bitch, aren't you? She's a little bitch, 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 bitch. And Sophie did exactly the same thing because the tone was what she was looking for. You're just a little bitch, 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 bitch. And I say that to dogs all the time now because it's a fucking dog. It doesn't understand. You could say whatever you want to to a baby. You could say they don't. If you say it in a nice way and you smile at them, you can say whatever the fuck you want. You're fine. You're you abusing dogs is the last straw for me. I swear to God. I swear <laughs> to God. I I really do like humans, but I love dogs. And oh I, yeah, I you you and me are gonna have some words after this podcast, Bob. I mean, I didn't say it to the dog, but also I I did used to call my dog all kinds of names, but she didn't know, and I loved her so much that it didn't matter. You're you're a troubling I, she, associate. You, I mean, that dog was one of the few things I felt comfortable showing open affection for. I went out to dinner one time, uh, me, the boyfriend, my younger sister, Ellen, uh, and her husband, we went to Girl and the Goat, uh, which is a fancy restaurant in Chicago, very delicious. And one of the things we got was the pork shank. So it came to the table, fell off the bone, fucking delicious, amazing. At the end of the dinner, before they'd cleared all the plates, I looked down at this you know, the remnants of the giant ham bone on the plate. And all of a sudden got very serious, like very seriously, like startled, upset, like nervous. Like, and Ellen was like, uh, what's wrong? What's happening right now? What's going on? And the boyfriend looks over and goes, yes, we can bring the bone home to the noodle. The noodle is a dog. He knew immediately exactly what was pissing me off. I was like, we have to, we can't, she has to get this. We need to bring this to her. If we're going to have a fancy night out, Noodle's going to need a fancy night out, too. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. You got a literal doggy bag. I love it. Oh, I didn't. I wrapped it up in a napkin and put it in my purse. Oh, okay. So Dell, after telling the baby to fuck off, steps up to the window. Mostly I love Coach just brushing past that moment. Are you putting a napkin-wrapped hand bone in your I didn't purse. want that. If, they, if I asked and they said no, what was I supposed to do then? If they're like, we're not going to bring you a bag for a bone. But I just needed it right then. Better forgiveness and permission. Done, done. Exactly. So then Dell steps up to the window. And she um, she goes, fuck. And then we don't know why she says fuck. And we pivot. And Tracy is now working at the bus station. And she goes, ah, fuck. And and she goes, I'm going on break. And her, and her, her partner, like, you know, the other uh, sort of, worker at the bus station is like the fuck you is and she's like rick's still doing his meditating and i'm like oh my god this i is, laughed out loud isn't this great this is like um this is like a little taste of athens kind of moment you know like this is like oh rick is meditating like derek is trying to push fish you know that and and again the the women have to deal with the the fallout of whatever stupidity the men in their life <laughs> are doing at any given time who are in charge by the way of course because we're men. Uh, I just love it. I love the slice of life stuff. 
Uh, she's like, Ugh. Tracy like stops, turns back, sits down, fake smile. How can I help you? She says through gritted teeth. Um, Dell puts smashes some money down on the on the uh, counter. One way ticket to Los Angeles. Okay, so she's going to California. Apparently, Tracy says, "Why are you going to California?" And and what does what does uh, Dell respond with? Why you got so many jobs? Crack habit. Jesus. To which Tracy says, "What?" That's it. It's on. <laughs> she puts the next window, please thing, and just goes storming out of the booth. This is so funny to me. I have to. I have to add something because it yeah. is very much in line with my uh, cultural background, upbringing, whatever you want to call it. She doesn't just walk out there and say, "Okay, we're going to fight." She takes out her earrings, and when she did that, I was filled with a brand of glee. And I needed to do a whole bit about girl fights and how, like, my buddies and I would just be, like, ecstatic that we stumbled upon a girl fight and be like, oh, my. And so to me, like, when she started taking out her earrings, I just cracked up because that's like a thing that is set. Like, people will be like, don't make me take out my earrings. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. That that is not the beat that I thought you were going to say. I thought... The fa- if you freeze frame when when Tracy walks out, her coworker Cheyenne, who is a black woman, has the funniest, most like surprised look on her face, and I'm like, I thought this was such a great again another great yeah. Like I said, these little tiny beats are what make for great shows. The taking she's taking her uh, her earrings out made made you love it. When I when I saw Wayne glance at the bike guy, I love that. This little moment where Cheyenne is like, "Are you fucking serious right now? <laughs> like, are you?" Like we talk about, like oh, white men have such you know so, so much privilege. This is a white woman about to go beat up a customer. The black woman is like, "Are you like are, <laughs> what?" I couldn't, you know, what I mean, like you know how many people right, Cheyenne right. probably wants to slap on a daily basis. That's right. Oh God, it's so good. Out comes Tracy bombing around, takes her thing. Hope you got. Uh, and and these are two lines I absolutely love. Um, as she's taking her, as she's taking her uh, earrings off, what does she say, boss, to to Dell? Hope you have Obamacare, bitch. And what and what does uh, Dell say back? I'm sorry, sorry, have- sorry. Bell Dell says to Dell says, no, no. Tracy says to Dell, hope says, you get, hope you got Obamacare, bitch. And what is and what does Dell say back to her? Hope you got Medicare, you old fuck. I slow clap. I'm like, what? They are ready. Like they're each ready. Mm-hmm. Like it's they are so like in their own as much as you talked about that look between Bite Guy and Wayne, like they have their own version of it to double back to uh boss's point. Like they are both ready and they are both like the world may kick the shit out of me, but guess what? I'm not taking an ounce of shit from you, bitch. Like that. Right, right. Because it's because it's in your same right, your same socioeconomic bracket. Mm -hmm, Right? mm -hmm. So it's like we know the rules of our bracket. You are you're like, what the fuck, man? Like, you know you can't get away with that shit. It's not like if if this was like a rich woman from the suburbs, Tracy's not gonna Tracy's gonna put up with she doesn't know. She's an idiot. She's an airhead. Right? Um there are different schools of thought. Boss Boss has a, uh, a perspective like women are just as mean as men. I know if Juliana were watching this, she would say this is a byproduct of 
women growing up in a man's world and then being indoctrinated into unnecessary hyper male aggression in in an effort to compete and or you know go along to get along in a world that they didn't create um but it's again different different uh sort of strains of thought nevertheless they are squared off against each other and then tracy has a moment of like clarity she goes what the fuck am i doing you're like 90 pounds she she gets okay this is you're like 90 pounds she's about to say soaking wet which i love I love that's a thing, coach. Right? Isn't that a term? Like you hear, that's like, just a thing. Soaking yeah, wet. it's just a thing. Guys, soaking wet is like, yeah, you're not even that actually. Like, right? If you were like totally drenched in water to make you heavier, you'd be ninety pounds. And she's about to get that out when Dell just absolutely pops her in the nose, and then Tracy grabs her by the hair, and and they both like it looks like actually Dell is getting the better of Tracy a little bit, and right away we get um, they just grapple. Well, the two things there. Well, there are a few things I love about this. One was this is no one's first rodeo, and, and there's a book. Um, now, I'm right. I hope I don't fuck this up. Yeah, I taught this book down these mean streets, um, and it's set in Spanish Harlem, blah blah blah. And one of the things that this guy's dad teaches him, and I I, I will paraphrase this because I literally taught this uh, in the last uh, millennium, uh, is that. Uh, if you punch a guy in the nose and he doesn't flinch, you got a fight on your hands. Because it's not his first fight, right? Like there's something about getting punched in the nose that's if you've never been punched in the nose or you're not accustomed to that, whatever, that is the at least a pause in what is happening as you figure out what the what that pain was. But if you punch somebody in the nose and they're ready to go. You got to fight on your hands. And so I thought it was a great choice to have um, Tracy punched in the nose and then go. I also wondered if, if she was this fight almost was this fight an unfair fight because Dell is going all out and Tracy is still a little bit in. I shouldn't beat this little girl up mode. Like she's balancing this bitch has it coming and I'm using her language, not that I throw around that word a ton. And is she balancing that with, I shouldn't beat up a, essentially a child? A ch- yes. She's but trying then, to figure out right. which of these yes. is right. A, ch- a child who said, thank you, Tracy, like a right. total bitch right. yeah. in the diner, right? Like that's like, exa- like that is the definition of a bitchy thing to say in this colloquialism of when we use that term, right? We don't love that term. It's been normalized more by the fact that Ted Lasso normalized it a little bit. I was like, hmm, okay. Um, but, but in general, yeah, we talked about this, but we have to go back and re- replay it. But in general, and then boss, sorry, and then boss, ADHD. yeah, boss talked about it too. But in general, like what we think of that term and what we ascribe as a trait associated with that term, a hundred percent Dell was that while she chirped at Tracy when she walked away. So, um, there is that. Then the cops roll up and, and we, we do a fast cut and we do a fast cut to an establishing shot of like the stupid, like olive drab, olive, olive green go-kart, go-kart, uh, golf cart thing parked outside of a nondescript wooden barn house. Like it looks like the utility barn that you might find on a, on a, on a tip standard New England, uh, golf course. Ter- terrifying. I, I have that thing where I go, dr- I'll drive and I'll like see a house. And then in behind the house, I'll see like a little, like kind of 
additional housing. And I'm like, whoa, I get all creeped out. I'm like, nobody knows what goes on back. It's so, you know, it weirds me out. Anyway, this is where the Tarantino sort of vibe is. Now we cut into Wayne. His face is dried blood streaked across, uh, uh, streaked across his face uh, in, in like these little sort of lumpy. I, I love the coloration of, of the, of the, of the wounds on his face, which I thought were really good because like sometimes they make them too red. It's like really dark brownish red. It's like really, really good. They did a great job with it. Wayne wakes up, he comes into focus. And as soon as his eyes focus, we're in a subjective camera shot from Wayne's POV. And he is looking at, um, this, this, uh, Lee fucking, what's his name again? Lee, um, Lee fucking Murray. Murray. And Lee fucking Murray says, motherfucker, you know, it's illegal, right? Uh, what you did trespassing you came you came at me so this is on you bitch so he's obviously spinning out he we get an insert of his hand on the on the shotgun it's got a uh, a sticker on it that says damp stank <laughs> like you do um and uh and he he cycles the round through um and shoots the the spent cartridge out uh, out of the out of the shotgun picks it up and um so th- this is like uh this is what's interesting you go okay why did he do this why are they establishing this why are they doing an insert he says okay so uh, wayne says you're gonna shoot me again and and lee fucking murray says holding up the the spent cartridge says these are fucking rock salt these aren't real bullets so don't go around telling people so like it's like wait telling people like what and wayne of course astutely as he tries to sum up the situation goes and those are like the other ones that you have on the desk all right clearly not rock salt the guy loads it in and he goes he exhales and goes you really fucked shit up for me my dude Oh my God, this dude, uh, Wayne fucking Murray. Who is it? Who is it? I got to look it up real fast. Who is it, boss? Um, uh, obviously, this is this is the dude getting um, fully unhinged. And, um, you know, this is a, when we talked about Coach and I terrified of people like this, we say like, you know, this, what, how, you know, Wayne has to like, he, he really is where we would be, which is like, you're not going to reason with this. You got to like fight your way out of this. Right, Coach? Oh, for sure. Like a oh, Lee yeah, fucking no, Murray. that's no. Wayne Wayne fucking Murray. Sorry, Lee fucking Murray. Go ahead, Coach. I'm sorry, but no, no, no. But he, yeah, no. You, you, he's insane, and 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 also sort of inept in his insanity. Yes. So that's part of the problem too. Like it, it's like um, I'm trying to think like where I heard, but essentially there's a thing of like people who do terrorist shit who will really do this stuff. Like they know exactly how to negotiate, and they're like, oh yeah, and then I'll give you this, and then you'll give me that, and then I get away, or I right like the kind of ha- like they know the routine. The people, my understanding is, the negotiators really get nervous when it's some you know lunatic rank amateur. They're like, oh Jesus! Now, like, you might really shoot somebody. Like, <laughs> like you don't, you don't know the routine. You don't know how to do all of this, so you may really fuck this up and cause extra damage. Um, and that was the sense I got here: is like, you're an idiot, and you don't know what you're doing. You didn't even know that the rock salt could do what it did, so now you're freaking out. 
this is not good. Is this so, the yeah, thing? In definitely, either- he has to get Lee has. I mean, he has to get Wayne has to get away from Lee. Right, the, 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 it's not going to end well. I want to point out uh, uh, Lee Murray is played by Julian Robino. Um, uh, I thought an excellent job, like very, very on point, like exactly how really captured the essence of this type of of uh, uh, human being. Um, are either one of you? Is this the first time you've heard of rock salt in a weapon before, or have you heard? No, boss is shaking her head. No, no, no. Yeah, I wasn't familiar. I mean, it's made sense, but I don't. I could. I it didn't sound familiar to me. I thought it was going to be some sort of dummy round, but I didn't think. I didn't know that rock salt was a thing. I feel like I grew up with hearing like a lot of people loading shotguns with rock salt to scare kids away. Uh, like you'd hear about it at like. Um, dumps like things like uh or like what do you like um places where they put car like old cars what they, i can't think of the term right now um junk junkyards Junkyard. junkyards yeah mm-hmm. yeah junkyards. um and so like you would hear people like defending that with rock salt kind of thing um but i've never ex- experienced firsthand um so uh you really fucked shit up for me my dude uh because you know these lows they usually don't do what that one did to your face and uh, Wayne is looking. He's like knocking you out. Uh, you must have caught a, a big piece or something. Wayne is looking around, trying to like scope the situation. Because the worst I ever did is put a few ugly holes in an ass, which is what you hear. That's like what rocks out to shoot people in the ass as they go and make them remember you, kind of thing. Um, he's breathing heavily. He's like nearly hyperventilating. What the fuck? He turns around and kicks a chair over. You do not want to be in this situation. Wayne is tied to a chair. Our hands bound behind him, just waking up from being concussed, probably um, by being not, you know, basically knocked out by a point blank shot. Uh, and he's looking around. I'm fairly upset, says Lee fucking Murray, to which uh, Wayne says, What, coach? Me too. Yeah. <laughs> like deadly calm, deadly calm. Mm. Me too. I'm like, Oh, God. That's an upset you don't want, Lee Murray. He says, so here's what's up. If you say anything to anybody and something happens to me because of this, law-wise or whatnot, I really love the use of whatnot because that is a very, very New England thing. I have a friend who says whatnot like my my, my captain steering buddy. Every other third word is well, yeah, this and whatnot. Uh, oh, we're going to have a. He invites you over for Thanksgiving. You want to come over uh, Thanksgiving dinner? Have some cranberry sauce and whatnot. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> Every other word is whatnot. Uh, and Wayne Lee, Lee Murray says, I mean, I got boys. Which, Coach, you see that line? He's got boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's got boys. Because it seems like I, do- I, I wasn't sure if I could believe him, but yeah. He, we he always say, say people need boys. I don't think Lee Murray's got boys. I got boys, and those motherfuckers will come to your house, your family, and then – you know, it's out of my hands. I'm like, this is a guy who's seen Goodwill Hunting like one too many times. He wishes he had boys, but instead he's got a satanic girlfriend who comes in at this time. Um, he turns the gun on her. Uh, why is he still here? I thought I told you to take care of it. Okay. Now, what are you guys thinking at this point? Are, are you like just along for the ride? Or are you going, what the hell is what? Like where where are you at this point? Um. So based on the fact that I've been watching TV since I was an extremely small child, um, I didn't think that this was serious danger. 
Like I did not believe that Wayne and Dell were not making it up here. That didn't seem like a possibility. It did seem like something that was going to need to be taken care of. And it seemed like as much as Lee fucking Murray is an entitled piece of shit with the way that he's dealing with this. And there is a level of entitlement. It is that uh, he is supposed to be able to bully other people and they are not supposed to cause him any trouble because of that. His job says I get to fuck with people. It's, um, you know, I last week on the show, Castleton, you talked about a police officer in your town who was extremely great and is the kind of officer that you want. And Lee fucking Murray is the kind that you fucking do not want. Because when you give them the permission to use for, when you give somebody who wants to beat the shit out of somebody the permission to do that, nothing good comes out of it. Absolutely ever. Yes. So I worried a lot about him. But when she came in, I was like, oh, this is, this is either where shit is going to get extremely fucked up or how things are going to break bad for them. Because as much as he is entitled, he does know what he wants. Like, there is a little bit of a method to the madness with him, even though he want, what he wants is to shoot somebody, but in a way to get away with it. And what she wants is to burn the fucking world down. Like, she is much more the wild card in this situation than he is. There, there is a thing when you give a man a gun. And um, I can't speak for women, but I know I can apply this to men. And there's a great little tiny thing that everybody forgets about in the movie Grand Canyon. Either one of you ever seen Grand Canyon? Okay. There's this great scene where Kevin Klein gets his, his, um, I think he goes to a Lakers. I forget what it was. He's in LA and his car pulls over. His car fails in a bad part of town. And he's like, oh shit. And then some some gangbangers roll up on him, and and he's like scared out of his mind. He's got a Mercedes, whatever. And then a tow truck driver pulls up and starts loading his car onto the tow truck, right? And it's run. It's uh, Danny Glover, I think, is the tow truck driver. If memory serves, I haven't seen it in like twenty years. But there's just one beat where Danny Glover is, is showing deference to like the leader of this crew of guys. And he's like, listen, it's already on my thing. If I drop it off, it's going to be an insurance problem. He basically saved Kevin Klein's life. And um, and the gang, the young, like kind of thuggy gang dude says to him, let me ask you a question. Like, you saying this to me because you respect me? Or are you saying this to me because I got a gun? And Danny Glover goes, you don't, you don't, you ain't have that gun. We ain't having this conversation. And the kid goes, see? That's why I always have the gun. And I'm like, that is what, right? Coach is nodding. Yep, that's it. That is the mentality. So in this beat, Lee Murray thinks he has earned the right. Like, how dare Wayne step to him or tell him, put the gun down? Like, is he out of his mind? Like, he did this. It's not his fault. It's not Lee Murray's fault. Lee Murray is like the, he's the sheriff of the golf course. It's this fucking mongol horde you know this this like barbarian that thinks he can just walk on the grass willy-nilly and then walk towards a man with a gun that's the stupidest fucking thing you ever do of course he had to shoot him like duh and now he's trying to figure this out in his pea brain of a mind and then in comes um kind of to horn as kira lee says that's kira my old lady both because she's my girlfriend and the fact that she's like 30 also funny. I was like, shut the fuck up. I got you some veggie curry from that place. You like, 
listen, you don't need that. You do not need that. Everybody, right, coach? Like, Mm -hmm. how fast is that line taken out of every other everything? Right? And that's what gives shows flavor. That I promise you, if you put this through the studio system, it's like amazing. This this happened. This show was made when YouTube Red. Wait, YouTube Red. Yeah, they they launched YouTube Red, and they gave a bunch. This was like everybody is like content is king. Everybody wants into the content game because when you have the content, you own. Then you can sell the licensing. You make it once, and then you you live off of it forever. So. Lots of people were getting into the we got to make our own content thing. And so they gave some carte blanche to several filmmakers. And I only know this because one of our close friends got a deal at the same time uh, on the same platform. And so um, a line like I got you some veggie curry from that place you like it. It has no bearing on anything. Lee says she's a vegan and a Satanist. Um, She says, so what happened to our plan? Well, I think he got the message. I mean, you got the message, right, kid? He says to Wayne, Wayne says nothing. Right? Kara says, we talked about this. We can't let him go. Baby, he's going to be cool. Because he, he doesn't, like, he's not really down with murdering it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. He's like, oh, God. She yeah. says, she points out. more of out, a rock salt guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not really I'm more of a rock salt guy. I love that. She says, you just got that fucking bracelet off your ankle, Lee. What do you, what do you want to go back inside? Lose your, lose your goddamn job? The, the way her, her accent is, uh, her name is, her first name is K-A-N-I-E-H-T-I-I-O. So I don't know if I'm kind of T-O. Uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. But whatever uh, whatever uh, nationality uh, that, that, that she is. It was it was so it was so right because she has the Boston accent, but she also has her ethnic accent too, sort of behind it, propping it up, which is really common. And I, I heard that all the time in different in different parts um, uh, of like inner cities that I would work in um, in this area. And so um, you know, she she says that you want to lose your goddamn job. Um, he's not saying anything. Uh, he's not he's not going to say anything. Uh, she says, look at him, look at him. He's a goddamn kid. You think his parents are just going to be like, oh, yeah, no questions asked. Just f- finish your fucking cereal. And then he goes, if he goes to the hospital and the doctor asks him what happened, uh, you know, he's like, he's like 15. And Wayne finally corrects him, 16. He's going to start balling. Okay. So, Coach, she is clearly mm-hmm. advocating for, like, to end him. Yeah. Yeah. And the and the she's her tool to do that is she's she's reasoning with this unreasonable idiot, but also then she starts to put on the full 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 car press. He's gonna start bawling. She says, "No, no, you promised me, you swore to me in front of your fucking mother that we were gonna go out west. We were gonna turn this shit around, right? The promise of a brand new day. We were gonna play the Price Is Right." And win a whole bunch of money and start over. You promised me we're gonna win the motherfucking prices right. I I loved so many levels of this. We talked about when we got into the whole Hagler piece and talked about, you know, Tommy Heron to Boba on the episode. The 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 dreams people can and do um latch on to. Which as you get older, you realize like that's a that's not a plan, guys. I don't know, like it's it's not even really a dream. I don't even know what to call. We're gonna pack up and go west and win enough money on the price is right 
to make our lives right. Like, I don't know what to call that, but it is not a plan. It is insane. And what are we talking about? Like, it, right. But they, no, they, no, but, totally. And then, and then sometimes it works out, really, coach. In. Right. Like sometimes right. you have Keely Jones and Roy Kent on your wall mm-hmm. and then they become your yes. best friend and your girlfriend. I'm like, I don't, yes. you know what I mean? How so it's like, sometimes if you poo poo the wrong dream, right. You're right though. Like mm-hmm. you go, this is not a plan. Mm-hmm. Like that's not a plan. No, well, it's not. This is. Yeah. It's also, no, it, it, there's also a plan is something you can work towards. And this is a fantasy. This, you can't do anything to make yourself get picked on the prices. Right. Or win on the prices, right? If you are Jamie Tart, you could work your ass off every day from point. now until the rest of your life to become the sort of player that would meet those people. This is this is uh, the, the fantasy of a couple of desperate kids, sort of, who have nothing else to go on. This, One of them this is, is I'm going to win the lottery, and then my life will be okay. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is the equivalent of we'll hit the lottery. I have an idea. Let's play the lottery. All right, so these two kids have a beautiful dream of going out west, uh, winning the prices right. Um, you know, it's really tr- quintessential American dream. Um, you can get good at the prices right. You can get sometimes you see people who don't know how to play this. I haven't watched it in years, but I remember years ago when I like knew about it, I was like, obviously, you're over. Or if there was like all these things where it's like, you could, if you have three idiots, you know, they're like, okay, here's a boat. And someone's like, $299. And someone's like, 304 and someone's like 310. You're like, oh my God. Like, it's either going to be higher or lower than that. You idiot. You know what I mean? Like, so you just go 311, and then you're going to, you have the chance that anything above that wins. So it blows my mind when you have uh, people playing uh, Prices Right. I haven't watched it since the Drew Carey. Isn't it Drew Carey now? Or is it? It is, it is Drew Carey now. Or it might have even moved on I past have. the Drew Carey. I don't know if he's, is he still doing it? I don't know. I haven't seen it in years. I think he is still doing it. I haven't seen it in years either. I, I have an unfair bias against the prices, right? I don't know why. It, it shouldn't make me sad. I shouldn't be judging this. People are allowed to have whatever sort of dreams they want to. But there was always something about people that said, like, it's always been my dream to go to, to come on the prices, right? To meet you, Bob Barker. There was something about when they said, like, I dreamt about coming to Burbank and meeting you that I was like, dream, you, you owe it to yourself to dream bigger. Um, and that's, I shouldn't be judging. That was just like an emotional reaction. Right, right. And then the last time that I saw the prices, right. Uh, oh man, you guys are going to hate me so much. I was Too in late. a planned parenthood in a planned parenthood waiting to get an abortion pill. And on the TV was the prices, right. And I was like, this is the most depressing thing that's ever happened. This is it. This is it right oh, now. Coach. I think I think coach is in the process of dying. Listen, I've never I've never watched a person die, so I can't guarantee that that's what's happening here. I I, I don't know if Boston you're referring to the whole situation of get of being in the office to get the pill and watching. Just yeah, all of it. Listen, I don't know anybody that can't be cheered up by a good good showcase showdown win. Um, but that's fine. And, and honest to God, <laughs> there was not a single part of me that felt sad ab- about the procedure. I was like, no, let's go do this. We're it, it, done. Let's fucking clear this up right now. I felt fine about that. I was just like, oh, wow, this is going to be in a screenplay later. Like this exact scene. 
Not if it, listen, if it wasn't a screenplay, most executives would take it out. I'm just telling you not to malign every yes. executive, but I nope. will tell you that nope, those little of slice what? of life moments when they're looking for cuts, they're like, do we really need the lady in the in the thing, you know, waiting for the pill and looking at the prices right? Like, that's gonna, we're going to have to pay for the prices right. We're going to have to get those licensing rights. and we're, You know what I mean? Like, But you're like, no, no, trust me. This is a little slice of life moment that really works and uh, they're always in, in the uh, the kill zone, in my experience. Um, I think Coach would back me up on that. Uh, but we should uh, – okay, now we get this little this little beat here. We should give him another chance. You want to give him a, a fucking chance? All right, we're going to play a fucking game. The coach literally went, oh, God. When we were watching, he's like, because oh. <laughs> she pulls out a knife. And, and I, I – yeah. And in my heart, I knew where this was going. And I was like – Really, we're doing this. We're going straight. How about just sure? We'll thing. give him another chance. And, and now, second, she does a she has a switchblade. Any any one of you either on a switchblade? Either one of you ever on a switchblade? No, I was never a switchblade. No. I used to go to um, school trips in Europe, and I bought so many goddamn switchblades over the. I had like ten. I had a stiletto that comes out of the thing, like shoots out, and then. Um, yeah, so I had like I wonder whatever happened to those. They could probably st- in my mom's basement somewhere still, but like, like just crazy switch. I had like a seven inch switchblade. The thing was like it's like a katana. No, it was huge. Um, <laughs> it's fun if you're a kid. You're like, oh, this is so cool. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, a something to talk with your friends about. But like, I mean, who needs a switchblade anyway? She has a switchblade, and she says we're gonna play a fucking game. We get a two shot of them. Then she hammers it stabs it into the top of the table. All right. So re- all right, let's we're going <laughs> to it's uh, it's so bizarre. It's like okay, first of all, let's talk about chances. Chance second chances are definitely a theme uh on this particular episode um and it's something that I I always like to think about like when you give someone a second chance, it tends to be it's like an empowering or disempowering thing. It's like someone is arbitrarily deciding on your second chance. Something about that sometimes rubs me the wrong way because I often think like, man, it's frustrating the people that get to decide on the second chance. So like, I'll give you an example. I get pulled over. Uh, I think, nah, shit. Now my insurance is going to go up or something like that. Right. Coach gets pulled over. He thinks I might die now. Right. Like I might die. And so, yeah, no real talk for, for real. Right. We've talked about this many times. Now, the guy walks up, let's say it's a male police officer, let's say, right. Goes up to me and goes, hey, uh, oh, you know, you're speeding or your light is out or whatever. Right. And he goes, all right, you're good. Right. Him arbitrarily giving the second chance sometimes piss. I'm like, why? So like if I if you didn't like me, if you didn't look, look at me, you know what I'm saying? So it's like you have yeah. now this this artificial it's this netherworld sort of. You know, it's a, it's a judgment call. Fuck your judgment call. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, my 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 light is out. Fine. You want to cite me for that, and I'll go get it fixed. But but like, it kind of like makes me crazy sometimes how things fall through the the cracks. So now this person, Kira, gets to decide on on the on the on the advice of counsel, Lee fucking Murray. Kira decides to give this dude a second chance. Guy she doesn't know. Some kid that Lee shot in the face that she is advocating should be murdered. She's going to give him a second chance, and she stabs a knife into the table. It, 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 it's almost like it's almost so god awful; it breaks your heart. You know what is happening? 
So I would just very quickly like to point out that the I think what you are feeling is similar to what I was feeling when Tracy was saying to Dell, you look a little too young for that coffee. Like, who the fuck are you to make that call? Why? You're a waitress. Like, your job is to get me what I ask you for. Your job is not to tell me what I'm supposed to be eating right now. And so I think that there's actually more of a similarity there. You felt like you didn't understand the aggression towards Tracy whatsoever. But the, the, like that sort of, I get that feeling in both ways. We're like, who the fuck are you to judge? I, e- either the cop giving you the thing off or Tracy, both of them. Same way I'm like, no, it's like outsized power or un, yeah. Yes. I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying, but I deeply resent you trying to build bridges of communication with me. You, <laughs> you couldn't build Jeff alike. fucking bridges. That's right. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So uh, we cut to the aftermath of the scene where the cops broke up the fight between Dell and Tracy. Uh, Dell hands over Tracy's, uh, 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 what do you call it? Uh, what, what is that called? It's Hair an extension. extension Isn't there another term? Weft or something? What's the, I, uh, whatever. I can't think of the right term. But yeah, extension. It's like a, Tracy had an extension that Dell pulled out. Um, they're just sort of, Tracy especially is licking her wounds. Uh, please, we get the stuff. Please check your tickets and blah, 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 blah. Um, Tracy says, where's your parents? I don't know. Where's your parents? Dale says. So Tracy again, relents. Like she's like, Oh, I'm not going to, why would I do this? You're like, even though she is still from this sector of the universe and this socioeconomic level and this sort of, uh, position of relative helplessness and, uh, being used as a, a sort of a, uh, punching bag of life, much like Dale. Um, she is at least trying to have some kind resolution of sorts. Dell does not know how to do this trick yet because she is young and full of vinegar. I don't know where's your parents, Dell says. She says, I don't have any. Um, foster kid, you ever had to do that? Uh, Dell says nothing. I always felt it always felt like a job interview, but for like love or something. That's that line hit me. I reacted to it. And yeah, it, 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 I don't know. Maybe I'm in a space in my life where these kinds of lines are hitting me because I feel like several times now recently like that. But like a job interview, but for like love or something. And I, I never really thought of that before. I mean, I've thought about being what it must be like to be a foster kid and like, well, will this be my family someday? Or like, this definitely won't be my family someday. But while I'm here, what will it be like? All that kind of stuff. Um, but when I think of a job interview, even job interviews, like whether it's for a job I want or a job I don't really want, but have to go get or whatever, I don't like being on a job interview. And to think like your whole existence for a period of time is a job interview kind of made me go, yeah, that must really suck. That must. Really I wasn't suck. sure about so, anyway, it. I, I, I felt I, like I, it that, felt that a little right over Sherry. Where I was like, it was oh, first line in this thing where I didn't fully believe. Like, if you want to take me down the absurdist mm. uh, spectacle of Lee fucking Murray, I'm, I'll go with you because I know it's absurd. And I know it's like a, you're doing a thing. Like, again, you're doing that Tarantino spider in the fly thing. I get it. This, do I believe that Tracy is going to open up to Dell? It's harder for me. I'm not saying that it's not accurate, um, but it felt like they hadn't had a resolution to get them to a place where she can do this confessional. But then I thought, you know what, if Tracy literally has no one 
to talk to, which she probably doesn't, then maybe this is as close as she can get to an understanding person, even though very clearly Dell is still in a hostile sort of uh, posturing towards Tracy. So go ahead, go ahead, coach. I also, sorry, just, I also feel like Tracy, I mean, you know, I think this is like my greatest insight ever. Tracy sees herself in Dell. And so I think in some ways she's like part of, to me, part of Tracy's continual, I'm going to be human towards you. I'm going to behave in a way of like somebody taking care of you. It's, it's, it, it, for me, it felt like, okay, I know you're acting all tough and I know you're saying I'm too old for this choker because you know, that's like a good insult against a woman And I know all these things. I know you're doing this. And I also know, I know what's inside. I don't know if this is how you really use it, but to reference reference back to the phrase you gave us, I I know what's inside your glass frog, not because I can see through you, but because I've already been you. This felt finally like she, it previously, it felt like she was trying to mother or adult Dell. And this is where she was trying to be like, oh, no, like, actually, I, I do get yes. it. Like, there is something about um, having any outsider come in and try to explain your life to you. Do I fucking you, know you? Where you're yeah. like, I'm, I'm fucking sorry. But, Wait, what, what? Like, no. Yeah, do I fucking, like, and I know, obviously, that comes off as defensive, but also mm-hmm. it's because you usually have a lot of very well-meaning, but very unfamiliar people teachers whoever else that are like oh no i totally get where you're coming from and then you tell them one thing and they like look at you like you're a a fucking alien like i'm sorry you have how many dead parents and you're like yeah man like do you want to do you want to talk to me or do you want me to let you know what's going on here because you don't actually know what you're talking about so i do think that her at least saying like i kind of get what you're talking about like I'm not trying to boss you around. I actually know what you're saying. Right. Very true. And and, and absolutely right. How many times has Dell heard, well, can you tell your mommy to like, give me a call and we'll figure it out. And Dell's like, give me a fucking break. Like, right. You know what I mean? Like you, you have no idea what I have to contend with. So Tracy continues. It also felt like a job uh, interview, but for like love or something. And I, tr- and I tried, you know, like get good grades, look real pretty, be good. That, that kind of hurt. Me. I was like, oh, Trace. like it's so eight different families deep, I decide, fuck this. Like what we just talked about, the fuck this, right? Which is like empowering yes. in a way, right? But also yes. like, oh, fuck, maybe that eighth family would have been, you, you just don't know. You can't. How can anyone know? And again, I say fuck this is, is rife with with consequence, whether or not, you know, it's, 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 it's what the doctor ordered at, at any given time is up for debate and it's all situational. So I'm go, go, go. Yeah. I, I quickly, I wanted to tell us because the, the fuck this reminds me of it. Um, as I've shared enough of my um, therapy that it, I, I don't know <laughs> if you can have a HIPAA violation for yourself, but if you can, I'm in trouble. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but I had a thing I would do and, and coaches, you know, seeing my temper, but I had a thing I would do. I would say whatever about whatever it is. 
Like, you know, some mm-hmm. shit would happen. I'd be like, whatever, man. Right. Yes. But the problem was I didn't really meet what I came to with my therapist that we like unpacked and worked on is I didn't really mean whatever I meant. Exactly. I'm going to like, yes, store that. I'm not going to deal with that. I'm just going to store it. And it would leave. Yeah. And, and to me, fuck, this isn't the same as whatever, but it has some of the same function, which is like, it's a sort of like overarching general thing to say I'm either above it or more powerful. Like, fuck, this is, I don't need you. I don't need anybody. And I'm not so sure Tracy didn't need anybody. There's a reason she got good grades and there's a reason she tried to look pretty and that finally she gave up on it. I don't believe that, I don't believe that Dell doesn't want Wayne in the stupid jacket in her life, but it's easier to say, fuck this than to risk that I'm going to ask you to go get whatever the next set of tampons is. And instead of disappearing for an hour, you're going to disappear forever. It's just easier to say, fuck this and walk away. Fuck this means you're not vulnerable. I mean, eight, yeah, eight you're different perfectly fam- invulnerable. Yeah. That's the thing. Eight different families deep. I decide, fuck this. I'm going to be the one to leave before they say go. That means seven other families had given her a test run when she was trying to good, get good grades, look real pretty and be good and said, no. Right. And rejected her. Right. That is that is heart wrenching. Um, oh my god, that is that is so sad mm-hmm. to even consider. Mm-hmm. And um, she said, but but you but you admire the agency of that and to say like I refuse to be shit on anymore. I am I'm done. And uh, so um, there's a beat there, and then Tracy says he hates coffee. So, I think that the issue is, you know, we talk about, like, giving people enough of a chance in order to prove themselves to you, to, like, come through for you when you need them to come through. And you can't cut people off before they make the attempt because you need to give them a chance to prove that they can do it. And we also say that insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different outcome. And there has to be some space in between that where that is the reality of a situation. I'm not saying that Tracy should have given up on hoping that she would find a foster family, but I also think that if you go into a situation thinking they are going to be my forever family, they are going to love me, they're going to take care of me forever, and they don't, that's going to be significantly worse than going into a situation and saying, I might not be here forever. I'm going to try to make the best of it the way that it is. I'm going to see how they roll but I'm not going to plan on them being my forever family because it's only going to be worse for me when that doesn't happen. So it, I don't want to pretend that what she did wasn't smart or appropriate for the situation. Like sabotaging yourself is always a bad idea, but also realistically saying like, I'm going to go on a date with this guy and maybe it'll work out and maybe it won't, but I'm not going to beat myself up if we don't end up getting married three years from now. Like you can, sort of put yourself in between both of those places where you're remaining open enough, you could let it happen, but you're not going to be devastated if it doesn't. Yeah, I hear that. I don't, I'm not smart enough to think. What? And then a long silence. Yeah, see, that requires, that requires planning, thought. Uh, yeah, no, someone disagreed with me. Um, okay, so uh, he hates coffee, she says. Um, 
Dell says, what? She says, your boyfriend. I tried to pour him another cup and he acted like I pissed in it. Again, I like the language. I like the choice of language. It's very uncouth for her to say piss. <laughs> like, you're a waitress. We don't talk about pissing in coffee. That is so, un- it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's a, feels like a lower tier of language and a, and a very uh, uh, graphic, like, example, I think. And it's really the other end of the spectrum from what we, you know, coach, you would walk through this in terms of Rebecca of like, she knows when to shake hands. She knows when each thing is supposed to be said and how yes. it should be said. And, yes. You know, the, these, you know, almost euphemistic ways of, of capturing whatever it is. Um, but there's also something real and accurate. Like, um, you know, I've heard that I heard to my thoughts, the funniest thing I said it for a long time was like, oh, so-and-so acts like I farted on their best suit. Um, playing basketball, and if somebody's like not getting the ball passed to them, I remember like somebody saying like, "What I got shit on my hands," which I thought was like just so goddamn funny and captured the feeling too. Like, what what's going on here, you know? Um, and so when she said, you know, for her to say like I pissed in it, sure, it's uncouth, but it also captures exactly what his reaction was. He was revolted. He was revolted by coffee, which, by the way, he sat in front of you and drank three cups of Yes, because he wants to be your boyfriend or he is your boyfriend and he likes you that much that he just wanted to do whatever it is you were doing. So because I, I, I don't think it should be dismissed. It's it's different. Um, and yes, it is often uncouth, but it's it's, it's also, also often I find more accurate or in a in an emotional way more on target than our more you know glossy ways of capturing some of these ideas it it certainly hits home you certainly get there's no there's no nuance there you know what she's saying that's right you get it you get it and when she says he choked down three cups for you what is how does dell respond boss what does she say stay out of my business stay out of my business again she only knows mm-hmm. defense she only knows withdrawal she only knows uh, mm-hmm. You know, putting up a, a strong outside perimeter, this type of what experience does she have with an older woman having a real heart to heart, having like an honest conversation mm-hmm. that actually you can see her listening despite her reticence mm-hmm. to to let Tracy know you see her listening. And then as the episode goes on, we find out that she did certainly listen to this. Tracy says, listen, I'm 40. One. Ooh, I loved it. Right? I love Isn't that, that a great line. beat yeah, there? That's great. Yeah. That reminded me mm-hmm. of the beat where Nate says, you know, it was like mostly my fault. And he's like, actually, it was all my right. fault. Like it almost right. is like a like a transformational thing when you're like, I'm gonna keep lying to myself and actually no, I'm not going to. I'm gonna say I am forty one. I have a new job every two weeks and a new boyfriend at every other. Just don't blow everything up before it has the chance to maybe be good. Which is Boy, scary. That's like, like yeah. It's man. like, Whoa, that's hey, a, hey, hey kid whose life has obviously been hard as shit at the, you know, at the point that the minute anyone makes a comment to you, you're ready to crush them. I think you should try being vulnerable. <laughs> you think what? It's like, it's pretty, you know, yeah. it's pretty revolutionary. Talk. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I think the only thing, she's not wrong. 
Tracy is not wrong. I'm not pretending that she's wrong, but also she needed to come at it from this angle from the beginning because what it felt like when she said, are you too, are are you old enough to be having coffee is not like, girl, I have been there and you were going to fuck up your life if you keep doing this. She isn't coming from a don't do what I did. She was coming from a, this is how you're supposed to do things. So having this amount of honesty from Tracy actually made it much more understandable that Dell would be listening. Because when you tell somebody, oh, I know better than you, fucking how do you know better than me? Prove it. Why do you, why do you think you know better than me? When she says, well, because I fucked up my entire life, so I could tell you exactly which steps not to do, then Dell finally could listen to it. But I don't think that Tracy was coming at it the right way before this. This is the first time when she was actually being honest enough that Dell could understand why she was saying what she was saying. I yeah, I I I agree with that and think that's a that would be a very complicated place or or certainly very yeah. Like it would be a very you'd have to have be pretty deft, I guess is the right word, to be able to start there. But yes, I, I hear what you're saying and I think it does make a difference to say like I've blown it. There's a because I mean any well-read person references Martin. Um, the show. Um, no, no, but really, there was an episode where he's being a fucking idiot, and he breaks up with Gina, and he's like, quote unquote, like celebrating all this freedom he now has. And he ends up h- hanging out with these older guys, who you know they're not they're not losers, but it's like you know what are you doing? And finally, he has guys over, and they play cards, and you know. As they're leaving, one last guy stays behind. He's like, I know you must, you know, hang out with us and think we're a bunch of old fools. And he said, maybe. He goes, but let me tell you, old fools were young fools once. It was like a great, I was yeah. like, that yeah. was a quality piece of fucking right. I remember in real time being like, ooh, nice. And uh, it ha- this has a little of that to it. Like, look, kid. Like, I get it. You can make fun of my choker and you can tell me I look old and you're sharp as shit. But at the end of the day, don't go fucking up your life being so hard that you don't let anything good in. And I was like, oh, I really like that. I love that. I love that you said that. And I think that's, that's, I love that. See, this is a theme that I think it resonates with a lot of us. I know for me, you know, I start to think of Neil Young, an old man, look at my life. I'm a lot like you were like, I, like this distinction between a oh, we're similar, but you've already walked the road. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there, mm-hmm. there's, there's some, I don't know. It's got, it's got legs. Um, and we can definitely discuss it more as, as the episode goes on. Um, I'm going to leave it there today. Uh, I like that as a, as a thing we can think about in the interim, just don't blow everything up before there's a chance to maybe be good. It's, it's so sad that that might be the best you can get is, is the uncertainty of maybe something good. If you hold out, betting against a catastrophic disaster you know what i mean it's just like oh these are the options <laughs> like really like this is what this is right, what i got right. um it, it doesn't seem fair but one of the th- one of the themes i really love about wayne is is fairness justice things like that uh there are these these elements of the story that really really sort of are, are powerful through lines throughout the whole series um i want to thank everybody for um for joining us for this uh, we will finish up uh, Wayne season two. Uh, sorry, season uh, one, episode two. No priests in our next uh, Wayne Wednesday. Um, Coach, where do people find you if they want to find you? The podcast Unstuck AF. Wherever you get your podcasts, uh, we are lining up our uh, fourth season. I uh, am really 
I was never sure that I was going to make it to eight full episodes. So um, I'm kind of beside myself. They were talking about a fourth season. Check out the episodes. Just amazing people sharing some really beautiful and sometimes rough lessons from their lives. But uh, I think we all end up better off for hearing the stories. No doubt. Uh, Boss, what about you? Uh, Still on Twitter and still at Blue Sky at Dumbly underscore Chambers. Um, And also hopefully figuring out some time this week to write another post at The Antagonist, which is antagonistblog.com. In the meantime, there's still plenty of other good stuff. And uh, my old post about guys in stupid hats. Always check that out. Thank you, boss. Um, yeah, I want to thank, I want to send a, a shout of thanks out to um, Buttercup Megan, who uh, emailed emailed us to, to talk about how much she loves Wayne and how the themes really resonate with her. And um, I know she uh, runs every morning with us in her ear. Sometimes we hear about you guys listening to us through the day as you're working. We hear people doing the dishes. We hear people folding laundry. Uh, Megan uh, does her exercise and she says that it helps her get her exercise done. So, uh, on behalf of uh, Coach, what do you say to somebody exercising to 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 the, this deep dive podcast? What do you think of that? I, I I love it. Now I'm even more fired up. I'll, I'll try to sneak in some motivational speeches here and there for you, uh, but that's that's awesome. Yeah, and Megan, thank you for your wonderful email and and for thinking of us as you as you're uh, doing your exercise. Um, to everybody else, please support your local libraries and the written word. Please support uh, the writers and actors who are are suffering suffering needlessly uh, (laughs) because they're just trying to get a tiny, tiny slice uh, of the overwhelming profits that come out of their creative uh, endeavors. Um, Make sure to uh, uh, check in uh, as we finish up Ted Lasso and move on to uh, many ports of call. We have a great lineup of shows coming uh, to you after Ted Lasso is done. So please stick with us. Uh, And until next time, we are Richmond Richmond till till we die. die. It feels, I don't, I, sometimes it feels weird when we do Wayne and then yeah. we're still Richmond till we die, but I, I kind of love it. I think it's right. Yeah. Because I, I why don't you keep minding your own fucking business? What about that? <laughs> I like it. <laughs> or that. <laughs> Stay the hell out of my business. Okay, then. Where are you from? Yeah. None of your business. Yeah. Don't yeah, worry you're about right. it. You're right. That was a, that was a very personal it's question. It's there. Yeah. It's there. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. The TedCast is a joint venture between Pajiba and The Antagonist. Visit us at pajiba.com and antagonistblog.com.